0: Welcome to Total Recast. I'm your host, Salem Monsoon, joined as always by my co-host, Vincent Kane.
1: Howdy, howdy.
0: If you're new to the podcast, or if you like me and get blackout drunk on the regular, what we do here is simple. Kane and I pick a movie to rate, review, and discuss. If it's bad, we remake it, and if it's good, we leave it alone. Either way, we recast it, with the only rules being that if Bill Paxson is in it, no matter how big or small the role, we have to recast them, and that no actor or director can be used more than once within a 12-episode period. We affectionately refer to that as the Tom Hardy role because we love him so much, we want to put him in everything. Now, with all that bullshit aside, hey Kane, what movie are we recasting tonight?
1: We are recasting the 1993 romantic crime film, True Romance.
2: From the director
0: of Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Hello, baby! Clarence? I'm a married man, buddy. A con man. Ask him if you got the letter.
2: Did
0: you get the letter? What letter? He wants to to me. No, no time, Tom. we gotta go. A call
2: girl. You call far day? Huh? Ah! Oh, I'm out of hand. Is
0: she a four alarm fire or what? She seems very nice.
1: What are you doing in LA anymore, huh? And a suitcase full of trouble. My name is Vincent Kokotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Now,
0: all that stands between them and their wildest dreams. Find
2: out who this swinging a prayer
1: artist is and take him off at of the neck.
2: Are 60 cops, 40 agents. you know
1: what?
2: 30 mobsters I haven't killed
0: anybody since 1984 and a few thousand bullets we're all gonna die here these are
2: cops put it down put it down put it down down. down. Christian Slater Patricia Arquette Dennis Hopper Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken. Slow it down, man. In a Tony Scott film. I think what you did. I think what you did. One Okay.
1: Not since Bonnie and Clyde have two people been so
2: good at being bad. True romance.
1: All right, this is our 10th episode. We made it to 10. Can't believe it. We we've been canceled for at least 9 of these episodes so far, but this is our 10th episode of Total Recast. And it has been a while since we covered a film with such a massive cast that we have to leave out some big names and we have to leave out some recognizable actors off of the list. You have to go back to like episode 2 when we did Extreme Prejudice where we had so many so many people to pick from so in this movie so far we're not going to recast these are ones we're not recasting ed Lauder, eric allen kramer victor argo mm-hmm. samuel L. jackson val kilmer or even supple brad pitt like we're that we're, we're not even we, this movie is so massive we can't even recast them this would be a five hour thing but on top of this being one of our favorite movies of all time we do have a special reason why we picked this film and i'm going to Kick it over to Sailor and explain why.
0: Due to his recent passing, Kane and I wanted to pay tribute to Sonny Chiba, one of the icons of Chopsis Cinema, and we decided there was no better film to briefly discuss and honor his legacy than the movie that already did it. At its core, true romance is a love story born out of a mutual love and appreciation of Chiba. It's built around the notion that any woman that would sit through a Street Fighter triple feature, even if she was paid to do it, is the one. Maybe baby nerd Tarantino's idea of true love, but I honestly don't disagree. Obviously, Son of Chiba is a placeholder for whatever it is you're passionate about that is quote unquote uncool, but Tarantino specifically picked Chiba for a reason because he doesn't think he's uncool. He thinks he's the coolest motherfucker ever, and if you don't love him as much as he does, it's not true romance. That's why we're recasting True Romance instead of one of his famous movies like The Street Fighter or Battles Without Honor and Humanity or Message from Space. Because as good as they are, None of them are a love letter about how fucking cool Chiba is. He's a badass superstar that will be sorely missed. But before we get into the episode proper, I wanted to just quickly run down six titles I think you need to see if you're only familiar with his work in Kill Bill and Tokyo Drift. Number six would be Doberman Cop from 1977. This would be his Dirty Harry riff, which is about, it's literally Dirty Harry for Sonny Chiba. If you want to see him beat, guys up with the butt end of a gun doberman cop number five the bullet train from 1975 this is unstoppable meets speed 20 years before either one of them chiva plays a conductor of a high-speed bullet train who discovers there's a bomb on board and if he goes any slower than a set amount it is going to explode it's not super action-packed it's more of an ensemble disaster movie drama but it's really fucking good Number four is Golgo 13 Assignment Kowloon from 1977. This is Chiba's probably most famous, outside of the Street Fighter movies, this is his most famous character because he's a character who was famous before T- uh, Chiba played him and uh, continues to be so afterwards. He's basically uh, the Japanese equivalent of John Wick, if John Wick was a sniper. He's like a very efficient, elite assassin who kills people, and then because of that, he has to blah, 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 blah. get Go on the run from somebody or be, get betrayed, and then he has to just kill everyone in the room. Go, go, 13. Sonny Chava playing an assassin. What more do I need to say? Number three is the Triple Cross from 1992. This would be his Reservoir Dogs riff. Again, the same year as that. I didn't even realize that. It's about three crooks, that after a heist start to turn on each other because they don't get as much money as they thought they would. It's a great fucking movie. Number two is Karate Bullfighter, aka Champion of Death from 1975. This is his It Man movie where he plays the real life sensei Matsutatsu Oyama. Uh, I don't know. Citation needed on that one. It's the first in the trilogy of biographies about this famous sensei who i guess i don't know if this is legend or real life or whatever punched the bull so hard in the head it killed it so if you want to see and then the second one is karate bear fighter where yes Sonny chiba fights a bear i i do i need i don't know what i need to do to sell you on these movies but karate ball fighters number two number one his Hunter in the Dark 1979. This is his uh it's a Mifune Mafune riff, where he plays the bodyguard of a guy, um, a warlord who wants to get out of the gang, so get out of the gang life and just retire, but he can't do so because assassins are coming after him. So they hire he hires Sunny Chiba to dispatch them. It's it's a bit longer, it's two and a half hours, but it's dark. It's action-packed, it's fucking bad, badass and brutal, and not talked about enough. So, Hunter in the Dark would be my number one movie to check out, if you love Sonny Cheban as much as Clarence does, which would be my segue into this movie, True Romance. I'm going to run down the plot a little bit, and then, as I always do, I'm going to ask Kane a simple question, and then we can kick kickstart off the discussion. True Romance is a movie about a comic book nerd named Clarence Worley played by Kristen Slater. True Romance is a movie about a comic book nerd named Clarence Worley played by Kristen Slater who falls in love with a prostitute named Alabama played by Patricia Arquette. And when Clarence talks to her pimp, bad things happens, accidents arise And he gets a bag full of cocaine and becomes a wanted man due to him killing the pimp. And action and comedy and blood and guts and humor ensues. It is a fun action-ripped yarn. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's a fun fucking movie. And we're going to get into it. Because I'm spiraling out of control, I'm going to throw this lifeline to Kane. And the lifeline is a question because he wrote this movie before Reservoir Dogs. He actually asked Tony Scott which one he would prefer to write and direct. Not write, which one he would prefer to direct. And Tony Scott picked this one, obviously. My question to you is, what do you think their careers would be if Scott had picked Reservoir Dogs and Tarantino directed this as his first movie?
1: And, you know, it's one of those it's so tough to tell i think with tony scott i'll start with him first he was he was so on fire before this i don't know i don't think it would have changed his career trajectory just because i mean right after this he does Crimson tide then it's the fan enemy of the state i i feel like he makes all those movies i don't know if it changes anything there i don't i i can't really see I think that the only thing I could think of is that maybe it changed him going from, cause he, he was getting to, you know, he had Top Gun and some bigger action type movies and this has some action to it, but it's not really an action movie at all. And then, but you, cause you get the Quentin Tarantino dialogue and the Quentin Tarantino writing and, all the all the homages to all this type of stuff so i don't know if tony scott's career changes much the quentin tarantino thing is interesting because i feel like true romance was a i wouldn't say a flop but it, it did not do well i mean it, it it didn't make its money back on its budget so it was pretty much quote unquote what people would have considered a flop in the theaters and because one it was a bigger budget it had a lot of more it had a lot bigger names it felt it was a bigger movie than reservoir dogs right as far as reservoir dogs felt more of like you know it was definitely more of an indie type of a of scene true romance if quentin tarantino does that and it doesn't yeah it gained a cult following i'm not saying that it's one of those by this time Tony scott's was kind of i wouldn't say teflon but i him him not this movie not performing well probably didn't hurt his career whereas what would it have done to quentin tarantino's career had he made this and not made the money back or and he or made what what this made so i could see it probably had changed quentin's it may have taken him longer to get for somebody to take uh, the chance on him to do a, a pulp fiction or something like that So I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a, one of those, whatever one you want to call it, sliding door type of things. I I think if anything, it probably would have hurt Quentin's career more than it would Tony Scott's then. And I don't think Reservoir Dogs would have helped Tony Scott's career more than you know, if he had done that one instead. Yeah. There probably been more money behind Reservoir Dogs. So I don't think the movie's the same, you know, it's probably a, $10-$12 10 12 uh, million dollar budget like true romance was but with red Ford dogs i think it was like what a million dollar something like that I, off the top of my head yeah it's so
0: it's it's like 1.5 like it's, right not, so it's yeah
1: it changes that it changes that complete dynamic you probably don't get it just set in that you know warehouse room you know it's it's probably there's probably more locations and there's probably more to it so I I think I think this worked out for the best for both for everything to me. I think it worked out for the best.
0: I think I mean, we're getting into hypotheticals Mm -hmm. who the fuck knows what would have happened. But if Tony Scott came off of Reservoir Dogs, because if you're not old enough to remember, there was no and I don't think there's been a director since There, there are few directors That have been lightning hot, as Tarantino was in the early nineties. Like Reservoir Dogs was like an atom bomb. Like it came out of nowhere and it fucking blew the world up. And it's independent cinema doesn't really exist now. I mean, it does, but not really. They go to Netflix because of streaming. It goes to Netflix and HBO or Hulu, whatever. It's not the same thing as a movie made for nothing getting so much attention that everyone saw this movie this movie was made for as much as halloween was made back in the day and yet everyone saw reservoir dogs so if tony scott had made something it would have been a a bigger uh, budget obviously he he doesn't really do independent movies but if he had that cachet I don't know if his career would have been, would he have made Crimson Tide? He could have literally done anything because that's how hot Tarantino was. If Tarantino directed True Romance, I think the next movie he would have made wouldn't have been Pulp Fiction. He probably would have gotten to that later. It would have been maybe Luke Cage because he want, he really wanted to do a Luke Cage movie. And I think... And it's, it's he he didn't do Luke Cage because he said his friends talked him out of it because he wanted to cast. Um, oh, I've, I've told the story a thousand times, Lawrence Fishburne. It's wow. public record, but I also feel like he never would have done it because he wouldn't have followed up Pulp Fiction with Luke Cage. It's just he just wouldn't have. But he yeah. would he would follow up True Romance would with uh, with a. Uh, Luke Cage I don't think he would I don't think he would have been as precious with his career if out out of the gate he had a quote unquote bomb which is this isn't a bomb this is a commercial disappointment
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah uh, obviously I also think that he still would have been the guy because if no matter what Reservoir Dogs is written by him So he would have had that cachet from that and he would have had the same, the original structure of true romance, which was broken up. It wasn't told uh, chronologically and it was a little bit darker. So I, I think that is the thing, him breaking up his narratives, which Reservoir Dogs does, this does, and Pulp Fiction does to a degree. I think that's the thing that people were the most impressed by. Well,
1: but do you think, do you think Pulp Fiction has much of a staple on it? If we see that broken, I know we saw the broken up kind of narrative in Reservoir Dogs to a different degree, but like, you, but it wasn't, it wasn't on this big scale like Pulp Fiction was. So if we see it on a bigger scale in True Romance and then you see it again in Pulp Fiction, or is it just like, all right, is it, does it capture you know the does it capture everybody like it like pulp fiction did at that time to be almost revolutionary because you saw i had so many people that saw pulp fiction that never saw reservoir dogs too so more people see possibly see true romance and see it i don't know again that's one of those things well does it get a 12 million dollar budget so is it as well seen so that's what i mean it's just there's so many hypotheticals you just don't know well, it would, all, it,
0: it would all come down to how big his second movie would be. I think we're all in agreement right. that if he did true romance, Pulp Fiction would not be his follow up. Yeah. and I think personally it would be Luke Cage because I think he's smart enough to know well, I need a hit. I need something that I can point to investors and be like, okay, Reservoir Dogs is a hit. I have my name on that. I didn't direct it. So you ain't getting no money from that. But Luke Cage. And it's not like today where comic book movies are an easy success train. Right. But.
1: Oh, it, had I, to do, it would have to do some work back in the 90s.
0: Yeah. I think we were comic book fans were so fucking starved, man. And I, I that is one of the ones because there's many, 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 many. I think him and uh, Der, uh, Guillermo del Toro are like tied for the most amount of projects they talk about that don't get made. <laughs> i think of all of them the luke cage one it's like i can't even imagine what his fucking a superhero movie made by him would be i want to see that so fucking bad and i still think his last movie should be silver surfer i just know it will never be because he will not work with disney because they fucked him over plus he just doesn't want to be in that system but because of going back to tony scott he did write some pages on crimson tide and one of the famous ones is uh, denzel washington and this guy there's like a a argument or something about the silver surfer and it's denzel washington starts talking about the best illustrators of or of silver surfer and you're like this is so tarantino (laughs) like once you know tarantino wrote something in this movie you're like the the dialogue sticks out like a sore thumb (laughs) Like, it's right. crazy how much it sticks out. But with that and the poster and Reservoir Dogs of Silver Surfer, I'm like, it would be great full circle. Plus, he never did his Star Trek thing, so he clearly wants to do something sci fi or at least it's in his brain. So I don't know. I just feel like that would be a good. And he wanted to do Luke Cage, so I feel like, again, all full circle. But I honestly think he's going to do a sequel to, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I think he loves that universe so much that he just can't get rid of it. So I think that's what we're going to get. or Because he ain't going to do Kill Bill 3. But he didn't really make this movie. He just wrote it. But I think the writing, not to, not to shit on Tony Scott, because we both love Tony Scott here. This, yeah. this is a house where, I don't know your opinions, but I have always liked Tony Scott more than his brother, Ridley. Ridley has the two monoliths that no matter... He has... Blade Runner and Alien are so goddamn good that he can make a Prometheus or Alien Covenant or a million <laughs> fucking shitty movies. Because his new one with um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Adam Driver, The Last Duel or whatever, looks. Oh, t- it
1: looks so bad.
0: It looks so bad. It, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a parody.
1: I thought it was too, especially when you see Ben Affleck and his blonde hair and his little chin, <laughs> blonde chin goatee. I I laugh. And it feels like every movie I've gone to go see in the theaters in this past month or so, it's that trailer has been on there. And I laugh even before, well, as soon as it starts, I start laughing so bad. It just, I'm like, come on, Adam Driver's in it. I'm like, it's got a good cast, but then it also looks so like I can't take Matt Damon or Ben Affleck serious in these roles at all, no. at all, whatsoever. It's,
0: it's not even the hair because. I have seen enough historical dramas that are set in this time period. I've played games set in this time period that I know that that hairstyle is probably period authentic. People just look like that back in the day, but, but the it's thing, Ben Affleck. It's Ben Affleck. <laughs> and two, it's just dumb. It looks so bad. You can get away with that in like a comic book or a video game or some shit. Because it's not live action. And the thing with Ben Affleck, I love Ben Affleck. I'm not shitting on Ben Affleck. No, I actually yeah. legitimately like him and I think he's underrated. He cannot do period dramas. He no. just can't. I think the only one that he's ever done successfully is Shakespeare in Love because he's in it for like five minutes. And he, he plays the greatest actor of all time at the time. He's like this egocentric asshole. I think he's fucking perfect for that, but he is such a contemporary actor to me that I think every time that you put him in one of these movies, it just falls on his face. I, who knows whether this movie's this, it's going to be good or not? I'm going to see because I love Adam Driver, but I mean that's Ridley Scott. He can make something like that that's probably going to be bad, and you cannot take away Blade Runner and Alien like you just can't. Like he has those two movies.
1: Well, and you know, and I know not everybody is a fan of Gladiator, but it that's a big movie.
0: Yeah, he's got It, it was uh, a
1: massive. I mean, it, he's got massive type movies that were recognizable. I and mean, we already did, you know, we did Thelma and Louise. I mean, he's got some some massive movies. But oh. to going back to your, kind of your your point is, yeah, we kind of lean a little bit more toward Tony Scott because I think he's just better at the story, and I think. If, like, you know, if if Ridley or Tony are sitting here and we get to choose who's going to direct a Quentin Tarantino written movie, True Romance, we're, me and you are definitely going Tony Scott, because we know if anybody's going to hit Quentin Tarantino to, to bridge a gap between what Quentin Tarantino was trying to do with his writing and... Not make, I'm trying to think of the word, not make it commercial, but make it where it's a bigger budget type of thing. It's Tony Scott and still keep, take that little bit bigger budget, but still keep the Quentin Tarantino-ness of it Mm -hmm. and so that's uh definitely and this is uh, this movie so is so good I don't anybody that don't like doesn't like this movie just turn it off turn off the podcast right now
0: yeah we're gonna gush about this movie (laughs) but my point is like Ridley Scott is in that epic like a Christopher Nolan or a Dean Denis Villeneuve you know yeah you just say his name and it conjures up and it's, yeah, he did Thelma and Louise. You can't take that away from him. But in my, in my mind, he has those two monoliths and that, oh, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if he did Thelma and Louise or Gladiator, like that's it. it. His entire career could be shit. And he has that, like Tim Burton's career is solid for like 10 years, but no one talks about 10, 10 I mean, Tim Burton anymore because the last 10 years is garbage. And so it's like the, the scales are horribly off. Center Ridley Scott is like paramount, like he's fine, he could still keep making garbage, and you're like, he's got he's got Blade Runner and, and
1: what's crazy is his, I mean, yeah, he'd been working before that, but his first real movie is in 1977, the duelist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you get Alien in 79, Blade Runner 82. And it's like, all right, you could retire, just retire. You know, <laughs> it's like that. You've already you've already set a standard that most 95 percent of directors will never touch in in your first three movies
0: and tony scott by comparison has a much smaller scale like the biggest movie he has is what top gun like i don't yeah. consi- like this isn't a big movie to me it's got a big cast but no it's-
1: no no yeah
0: like if you're putting it on that scale, but that's I think why we both go gravitate to Tony. I think the
1: 12 million dollars, like ten million of that, is probably for the cast alone. Like, because this is not there's not much to this movie, mm. you know. But it's yeah, it's like I don't know where the twelve million dollars went. This is a
0: twelve million dollar movie.
1: Yeah. Holy yeah.
0: shit, I thought this was and like
1: 3.5. No, no 100
0: bombed. There's no, yeah, way this it movie was 12, 12.
1: million and it made it, it was 12.5 million and it made 12.6 million. <laughs> that's
0: that's what we we refer to as like a Kevin Smith hit, like as long as it <laughs> kind of almost a hundred thousand
1: dollars, baby. <laughs> ain't
0: nobody, ain't nobody's the pockets are fucking empty on that one, but. well damn um 12 million come on tony i mean i'm not mad about it because the thing is tarantino's original because he wrote this thing a while ago his original idea was robert carradine back in the day to play clarence i cannot for the life of me remember who i somebody nerdy somebody nerdy for alabama i can't remember but one of the big ones was robert forrester was going to be the mob boss vincenzo Mm -hmm. so even back then he had like the the notion like i gotta bring back i gotta bring back robert forrester so if he did direct this there's no doubt in my mind that he would bring back forrester earlier but thank god he didn't direct it because as much as i love forrester one he should have played the dad and two It's Christopher fucking walking. Like, if those two were on the fucking slate and I can get one of those two, especially 90s walking. we talk about this all the time that he has kind of, like, danced his way into self-parody. Like, he's embraced it like a Jeff Goldblum or Nicolas Cage. He truly doesn't give a shit, and I don't blame him because he's old and he's like, whatever. My legacy is secure. I can just make fun of myself now and just keep doing the same shit. Right, and this
1: is right before that.
0: This is yeah this is the king of New York. This is um uh that the Ice is going to break. What is the movie where he is a psychic and it's oh, dead? The dead Zone. Thank you. I was like Dead Ringers, that ain't right. <laughs> dead uh, Dead Zone, um he's coming off an Oscar now for Deer Hunter, well it's like 20 years earlier, but I mean he is not a joke at this point in his career and no. he is legitimately scary. So I guess we're gonna use him as our bouncing off point because we really haven't talked about the movie, or at least (laughs) I haven't. I'm I'm taking y'all through the forests
1: on this one. There's so there's so much here. I mean, it's yeah, it's not. It's a it's a Quentin Tarantino type movie. Yeah, Tony Scott, and we don't. And that's the thing is we don't want we wanted to give some love to Tony Scott because he deserves all the love. I think
0: he's. I think he made a better movie than Tarantino would have. Yeah. I don't think I got that point across. Okay. My yeah. my rambling and my mumbling and jumbling. I think this is a better movie than Tarantino's broken up. I think Tarantino's script is more interesting. If you got you guys can find it out there. It's not hard to find. It's 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 relatively easy to find his script, and I think it's really good. But ta- uh, Tony Scott deserves credit for shooting it chronologically, breaking up the the structure telling it straightforward and keeping Alabama alive because originally she died or keeping Clarence alive because Alabama famously becomes a, a jewel thief with Mr. White, the Harvey Kytel character from Reservoir Dogs. Tarantino was making this little, his own little MCU universe, <laughs>
2: um,
0: which is interesting, but, and that's going to be my segue into Ter- uh, Christopher Walken because of all the characters that he is, reused in his scripts like the tom sizemore character in natural born killers he's referenced referenced in um reservoir dogs he's like he pops up like through dialogue and stuff like tarantino likes to name drop like characters and shit because he's a nerd of all those characters the one he's never mentioned again and never uses again is fucking vincenzo played by christopher walken and he's the one that i would i would have loved to see in a comic book a tv show about this motherfucker he is so interesting and he's only in one scene you never and see him it
1: always surprises me i know this every time i watch the film but i'm like i'm expecting him to show up at the hotel right
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know darren in, in the, the the finale and all that and i'm just i'm waiting for him to show up or i'm waiting for him to when when they they exit the hotel after everything goes down, all that kind of stuff. I'm just I'm waiting for him to kind of show back up and it just he never does. And I'm like, is that just genius or is it like, you know, like wh- or is it like, you know, it's not giving it enough? It's like it's on. It's either one end or the other. It's not in the middle. It's either completely genius, which it feels genius because it works so well. But also I want more like is that yeah. is that why but we never get it either so it's like man. i don't know
0: if it's a, a scheduling thing where he was always because i don't remember him in the original script being in the hotel thing so i don't think yeah he's there i mean i it's been forever since i've read the fucking thing but i don't know if it's like a scheduling thing where tony scott's like i i only need you for like a couple of days or if he, if he never wanted to because you know that it's not like his absence is missing because there's hitmen that come through and there's bad guys that keep hunting them yeah. down. But it's so fucking weird. It's one of the great one-time characters, like an Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glenn Ross, where you're mm-hmm. like, you come in for five minutes, you fucking own the movie, and then you bounce, and you're, everyone's like, well, what the fuck is Vincenzo? Like, where the fuck is he? It also reminds me of... Since he plays uh, Gary Oldman's Pappy, I'm going to segue into Fifth Element, which is one of my favorite movies where the main bad guy and the main good guy never meet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that so fucking much. Like, how do you structure a movie where the two leads of the movie never fucking cross paths? And yet there's they're always in danger. There's always a threat. They're both doing stuff to move the plot forward, and yet right. they never meet clarence never meets vincenzo and he is the big bad of this movie it's not drexel drexel's also well he's in two scenes because of that king of new york um uh scene where he fucking blows samuel jackson away but um so he's he's in more than the one scene but which i feel like is probably also added from the script because it's because do you really need to explain why Drexel has? I feel like Tony was like, I just need to use some more of this Gary Oldman. I need, I need more of this motherfucker in this movie because maybe he needs to pad out the lack of villain. The Mac, I don't know. It's, it's so interesting to me. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just like an, I felt just, you know, an, an introduction to give a little bit more of how dangerous. I mean, okay. It's a pimp. Okay. But you also, don't know how crazy is all that kind of stuff i guess it it felt like an extra it also felt like well would it have been weird to only have okay i'm gonna have only one scene of gary oldman and this great character i'm only gonna have one scene of christopher walken and i don't i I don't know i i liked both of them i i think it's you know it's not like it's a great scene i don't know if the movie misses it if it's not there, the one, but the one where he, they're in the hotel and he's telling his story, and, and he grabs a shotgun and blows both the, both of them away. But it just like it was like one of those character introductions. Hmm. Like here he is, you're about to meet him,
0: and it's, it's, what's going to happen? It's not bad, but once if you watch King in New York, it's that scene, and it's yeah. better in that movie when he opens up the brief, brief Right. Briefcase and there's tampons and he's like what the fuck and he's like for the bullet holes motherfucker like that's so much better than this movie yeah it really is and you're like damn that is such a great fucking scene and that introduces that guy and you find out he's just the henchman for another guy that's I guess maybe that's what Tarantino was doing where you you're building up Drexel yeah and then pulling the rug which he did with Reservoir Dogs where he's like I'm not gonna show you all the heist bitches. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna remake City on Fire and just not fucking show y'all the fucking heist, hmm. ain't I clever? I'm gonna build up this bad guy and then never use him again. So I just I want I don't know I just want more fucking Vincenzo comic book. I, I want, want th-
1: more I want more of him and I want more Drexel. Like I'd l- I want more <laughs> Drexel. Yeah. I want more Drexel too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean I could. He must we- have
1: thought it was Why Boy Day. <laughs> it ain't white boy day, is it? <laughs> it kills me every freaking know way I'm he pretty, does it. But and then, and then, that, the that kind of leads me, and that, yeah, and uh, that kind of leads me to. I don't think this movie, as I know we're recasting it for today, I don't think, I don't think Drexel happens today because it would be considered, it would be almost like blackface today to have somebody act like that, that like, is, I'm, I'm not saying like who that is like, why I,
0: I picked the actor i picked because i'm like he's the only actor that will do this yeah, right <laughs> exactly i mean you're not wrong because eight um and i'm not stepping on shows because i have no idea who you picked but one of the people i considered was adrian brody because he kind of did the same fucking thing on saturday oh, night oh, live
1: yeah, with yeah. the
0: dreads and he got banned from saturday night live he's still not allowed to be on that fucking show Because, yeah, it's cultural appreciation. Like, white girls get canceled for having dreadlocks. So you have this white pimp who talks Rastafarian. He has these dreads. And you're like, what in the fuck am I watching? And and you can't cancel Gary Oldman because, I mean, technically, he's just ripping off really one blood, his uh, co-star from Leon the Professional. They were buddies, and he's like, I'm just going to do this, motherfucker. Y'all cool with it? And Tony's yeah. like, I guess. <laughs> because you back in the day, you, you hired Gary Oldman, and Gary Oldman would just do whatever he wanted, and people would let him because it's Gary fucking Oldman. He's, right. he's the more, uh, I don't want to say it, more serious, but he's the less over the top. He's Nicolas Cage with Gra- Gravitas. Let's just put it that way, because Nicolas Cage always gets shit on every time he goes over the top. So every like four years or some shit, he has to make a movie like Pig where everyone's like, oh, my God, I forgot Nicolas Cage can act. And he's like, yeah, I can. (laughs) Like this this year, he has a movie where he's fighting fucking robots and evil haunted animatronics, Willy's Wonderland prisoners of the ghost land where it's like crank three set in japan or some shit like it's insane and then he has to do pig to like balance the scales for everyone to be like oh yeah nicholas cage is amazing gary oldman has never had that like he's gone over the top like crazy like if nicholas cage was in this fucking movie people would still be like oh there's that nicholas cage being crazy gary oldman for some reason can skate through that because he has like this air of i don't know authenticity or like I don't, maybe because he has no because nicholas cage has an oscar so i was like I, and he got one before gary oldman so i don't fucking know why gary oldman is allowed to do these things nicholas cage can't but i mean it's just thank god it's just thank yeah god.
1: yeah it's not you know and another thing and i know we're we're kind of Skipping through this, but it just kind of pop, it rolls into something that I don't think happened. It hit me while I was watching it this time. I don't. I'm trying to remember the last time I watched True Romance, and I don't remember it popping out to me like it did today or the other day when I watched it. I don't think the beat ups the Virgil James Gandolfini will kind of get into a little bit later. I don't think the him beating up Alabama happens the way it happens. Like you don't see. Nowadays, you would not see him punching her straight dead in the face. You would not see her, him picking him up and throwing her uh, across the room and all that. Just absolutely. I mean, he beats the living dog mess out of her. I don't think we see that today in a mainstream type of movie with um, name actors or anything, you know, that type of stuff. And so uh, those were I mean, there's probably a lot of there's a few other things in there. I don't think, you know, the whole Christian Slater saying that, you know, if he had to, if he was going to bang one guy like he had to, he was going to bang Elvis. I don't think you could throw that in there because somebody would, you know, want to cancel that. And so it's just, it it was, it's very Quentin Tarantino, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and very, but very early nineties as well.
0: Yes. It's, there's a lot of, I'm not, I, cause I don't like saying problematic. Like, there are movies that are problematic, like yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's, where you're like, yeah, this shit doesn't age. I, there's nothing about this that ages to me. It's just now that no,
1: yeah.
0: people are fucking bitches and pussies. Like, Right,
1: exactly. And that's what I mean. Like, no, I would be yeah. fine with it. I mean, it's, it's acting, for crying out loud. He's not really punching her. I mean, FYI. no, it's,
0: it's a rough scene. And I think Tony
1: it's Scott, brutal.
0: it's fucking horribly brutal. He punches her right in the fucking face. And, and it looks funny. real.
1: Like even looks- his reaction, even his reaction afterwards, it was almost like I accidentally just hit her. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know?
0: Um, and I mean, cuz and she's ugly throughout the rest of the movie, yeah. Like she she's fucked up, and I got you it lo- playing
1: basketball.
0: <laughs> I mean, what? you you look at like a movie like Black Widow, and not the shit on the Disney movies, they're they are oh, what they God. are, but nobody gets hurt, nobody gets hurt. you watch nobody gets hurt. Scarlett Johansson i'm almost positive she survives four car crashes she gets blown up like five times she even breaks her own fucking the spoiler alert for that fucking movie who gives a shit she breaks her own nose there's no bruising there's no
1: there's no bruising nobody's limping mm -mm. afterwards i mean it's
0: because you don't want to make your billion dollar actress look ugly Right, and Tony Scott's like, no, this is what it's going to look like when somebody gets punched right in the fuck. It's not pretty. She's she gets fucked up. Clarence gets fucked up. They don't they don't get out of this movie unscathed. They they survive it, but they got some scars, baby. And that's what I love about this movie is, like you said, it, this does not exist. Right. In and culture. and
1: the last thing you definitely know doesn't exist is the Sicilian scene. Speech. that doesn't happen <laughs> no it today.
0: absolutely does not and it was very hard to find an actor in my mind that would say the things <laughs> dennis hopper says because while he is saying horribly racist shit he's not wrong historically right. he everything it's he's saying facts. it's facts but he is saying it in the most crude way possible because he's obviously trying to get a rise out right of
1: it. he knows it. it's kind of yeah he's going to piss them off yeah and he, he knows the moment that they walk in that he's de- he's dead
0: yeah
1: you know and dennis high again we'll get into him a little bit too but you know dennis hopper man can we get into it now i'm off air i got into this with and it feels like almost every time we do this but there's just not actors like this anymore i'm sorry today's actors and i i feel like i'm like put like crapping on our <laughs> our freaking uh platform or you know structure of our uh podcast but the actors today they're just not there's no dennis hoppers there's no christopher walkins there's no gary o, there's no tom sizemores no more even you know chris penn i mean he wasn't the greatest actor but you knew who he was, all, he was a presence there's mm-hmm. just not those presence anymore i think there are some really great actors there's those top level, there's the Tom Hardy's, the Leo's, all those, there's, I'm not saying there's not great act, but there's such a divide between the great actors and everybody else. Whereas Dennis Hopper, one of the best actors there is, but he wasn't like, he was never the a top actor. He was never Harrison Ford. He was never, you know, Tom Cruise, even, you know, or whoever during that, during his time, you know of the 70s he was never Robert De Niro all that but he was a he's still a movie star you say his name everybody knows him if he even if you didn't ever see his movie you knew the name that type of stuff
0: well because I mean I mean Dennis Hopper is an anomaly and it's not because he it's not that he was like a character actor and not a movie star he could have been a movie star Dennis Hopper was an insane monster of an actor like he was being method is not like you have to like google what the fuck Dennis Hopper used to do on movie sets oh and the shit that he cuz he went out of his way to try to kill his own career because he was an insane fucking person you watch the last movie and you're like and this is what he follows up easy rider with and it's literally him just having three three in a bathtub doing drugs and you're like you're insane but because he's talented, he was able to crawl his way out of the pit that he put himself in. And it was a large fucking pit. There was a time where early 80s, you could not cast Dennis Hopper. Like, no one. Like, before Hoosiers, a couple years before that, he was doing My Science Project or whatever the fuck that movie's called. Like,
1: he- That's what I was saying. He, he he'd always, he did good movies. He did great characters and all that stuff. But he did a lot of just trash trash movie. well he
0: he there was a point where he just had to do whatever because no one was hiring him because he was insane luckily thankfully he turned it around with out of the blue that movie because he was never supposed to direct it but he did direct it um and then it like it didn't do much but people in hollywood was were like oh you're you're back and because of Hoosiers and Blue Velvet, like back to back, and then Hollywood finally embraced him. Thankfully, he got an Oscar for Hoosiers. That's the wrong movie he got an Oscar for. But thankfully, he got an Oscar and then the Hollywood accepted him. But no there's no people like hopper i mean there's no actors like hopper because there's no people like hopper anymore there's not we don't celebrate the drug addicts like we
1: used to like well the- no i know but i mean even chris like i said christopher walken you don't you don't have guys nowadays again christopher walken wasn't the top actor Mm-mm. you know what i mean he, he he wouldn't be on leo like today like leo's status but you don't have a guy like a Christopher Walken, who it can walk show up for one scene like that, and not only deliver it but have a name and a presence to be able to deliver that. You just don't have those anymore. The out, you know, outside of fanboys of like Marvel or something, when one of those guys shows up in a different movie. But I'm talking. About you you remove all if you removed all of Marvel and of actual legitimate movies that have gravity to it. You just don't have Christopher Walkins. You know, you don't have Dennis Hoppers. I, Tom Sizemore, every every time he's in a movie that we recast, I'm going to say how much I love and miss Tom Sizemore and actors like Tom Sizemore. Because every freaking movie he did, every freaking part he delivered 100% and he was always, always – I talked about this on the Heat uh, episode. Go check that out. But anytime he's on screen, you he you have a focus. He takes away focus, not like in a bad way. He's standing next to Tom Hanks and Save It Private Ryan. You're kind of watching him in the background, even though Tom Hanks is doing the talking, that kind of stuff. You don't have those bit players like that anymore that – he's not a good looking guy he's not he never looked like he was ever in shape you know he probably never had a six pack you know that type of thing and but he was an absolute presence that every movie he was in he was never leading he was never the leading guy of a of a good movie that type of thing he was always going to be the the role player you know and that but that was what he did and it, he did it very well there's just so many of those I and mean, even michael rapport who's annoying and all that but in the 90s he at least you knew the name he made a he made an impact that kind of stuff so i mean it's just i don't know. I, I don't think that's nostalgia for me to think of like oh yeah there's just not that type of talent anymore today period i
0: think 90s was the end of that yeah i feel like paul giamatti is like one of the last actors that became famous from because it's it's always feels like a double a backhanded compliment, and it's not what we're trying to say. We're not saying Tom Sizemore is more talented than he is good looking. Because the thing yeah. with the actors is it's three things, right? It's good looks, charisma, or talent. If you're good looking, I mean, usually it's very rare that you're all three, right? It's usually the charisma overpowers the talent or the looks. If you're good looking like Megan Fox, for example, not to throw her under the bus, but she was cast for a very specific type and it wasn't because of her talent. She was a very good looking actress, but eventually she got better. The people who are uh, charismatic out of the gate, like uh, the rock didn't have the talent, but eventually got it. Tom Sizemore, He's missing one of those three elements. He's not a good-looking guy, so he has to make up for that by having charisma and talent. Right. And he he hits both of those in such a way that actors today don't have because they can, since they have the looks first. Again, not insulting anyone in the Marvel universe or Disney or whatever. <laughs> they're all fucking pretty. Every actor today is pretty. They all have six-pack abs. They're all gorgeous people. and So because of that, they don't have to work as hard on the other two things. That's why I don't think that most actors today will have that body of work of a Tom Sizemore. Like in 20 years, we're going to be like, oh, man, you know who I miss? I- insert actor's name here because I'm not using an example. Yeah, right. Uh,
1: You know, yeah, because of those five Marvel movies or those Mm. six uh, Star Wars or whatever it is. uh, You know, I get it. And I'm not, and I'm not crapping on the, I've watched those. I, I love MCU movies and all that. But it's just, it really is hard when we do, I think it's, it makes it even more difficult when we do movies like this where we have to cast 10 people because you're not having, 10 Tom Hardy's you're not having 10 you know you after a while after you get after top three you're running out of top talent nowadays or four and then you get into especially a movie that's male dominated like this where it's really much just Patricia Arquette Alabama is the only female in this movie and then you start getting down and it's like man where the heck I mean Brad Pitt's in this movie. Brad freaking Pitt and he does nothing like, and you talk about pretty, like there's nobody pretty in this movie. I mean, Brad Pitt, yes, he's hot and all that, but I mean, he's just like, he looked, he was just a long haired hippie stoner on the couch. Val Kilmer, one of the sexiest man's alive around this time, but you don't really see or anything like him. Christian Slater really isn't. He, I mean, I'm sure people thought he was good looking all that, but he wasn't like the sexiest man alive. And he definitely wasn't looking like that in this movie with his, mm-hmm. Black, flat top, and his beat, and he got beat up really early. Patricia Arquette is not; a, she's not your typical beauty. You know, you know she she's got compared a compared to look.
0: nowadays,
1: right? Yeah, that's what I mean compared mm-hmm. to nowadays, where everybody looks the same. And then you've got you know Gary Oldman, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Michael Rappaport, Saul Rubinek, <laughs> James Gunn. I mean, it's like on down the line of like none of that people find them attractive i get it but they're not your none of these people are in mcu movies today as the the lead or a, a superhero you know that yeah, we
0: cannot stress enough that <laughs> yes christian slater is good looking patricia arquette the point is compared to top everyone now is a 10 out of 10 yeah like everyone even the the fucking the fourth lead of scarlet witch five or whatever the fuck it has to be this fucking model and whatever whatever's in the water plastic surgery whatever good good on y'all that you guys can be fucking drop dead gorgeous <laughs> every single fucking actor but back in the day we had different looking actors that's all we're saying people look different back in the day and it's refreshing yeah we and we, rant over <laughs> yeah
1: well he's i because, get it
0: I mean, because I think Patricia Arquette is fucking adorable in this. No,
1: and no, and that leads me to my next point. I, same thing. She has such an affection, infectious personality here mm-hmm. that with her unique look, she does have a, I mean, she's not your typical beauty. I it's just, I put that out. I'm not putting her down at all. But she has such an infectious personality that it makes her, you, you want to like, ah. I, I know she's a call girl, you know, which she makes a distinction. There's a difference between, you know, that and, the, you know, or an a ap- call girl, but um I, you want to hang out with her. You see why Clarence would be attracted to her and all that kind of stuff. She has such a bubbly, I mean, it's, it's, it, and she does such a good job of, she's not ditzy. Like she's, the way she talks, the things she says, sounds extremely amateur. But she's probably, I think, early twenties here. It, it's almost like that Goldie Hawn type of feel to it, where it's like she she's kind of she has she feels like that dingy ditzy, but she doesn't lean into it so much that you're just like you're an idiot, you're a vapid idiot. She she balances it really well, especially with Christian Slater's charisma that he has the, you know, the nerd, the nerd cool kind of, he he's a very cool nerd. Like he's one of those first kind of nerds that you saw. I mean, okay. And we got to get into this for a little bit. I don't know when we're ever going to get into this, you know, cast that's going to take us probably two hours, but this was supposed to be Quentin Tarantino, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wrote that as him, like as himself.
0: Well, he, a lot of this dialogue and stuff comes from his technically first movie my best friend's, uh, I always want to say best friend's boyfriend, my best friend's birthday, which is his unfinished movie that never, I, I think it got finished or he ran out of money or the movie got like damaged or some shit. So it's not complete, but there's enough of it that you can watch it on YouTube. But the overdose scene is from Pulp Fiction is kind of sort of taken from that movie and the all of the dialogue involving him wanting to fuck elvis all of that like it's beat for beat shot for shot like it's the same thing but tarantino is doing that dialogue it's like i'm not gay or anything but if i was forced to have sex with any man be elvis like it's the entire fucking shtick and yeah this movie is kind of because this is kind of what tarantino looked like because tarantino famously was super into elvis he was on an episode of um golden girls as an elvis impersonator so he's very much into elvis clarence is the most tarantino character tarantino has ever created and because of that i think this is christian slater's best performance because not as this character because i really love him in very bad things but christian slater i mean there's no doubt about it he aped everything from jack nicholson his entire persona his cadence his line delivery he lasered in on jack nicholson just started doing jack nicholson he's not the only actor to do it stephen dorff did it they just were like oh, we're gonna do everything like jack nicholson and it's fine it's it's fine but because of that, his ca- characters started getting, like, one note and stuff, and he started getting miscast in action movies and stuff, and I've always liked Christian Slater, and I'm glad he's slowly coming back because of shit like Mr. Robot and stuff, but be- I think this is the one because he plays a believable fucking nerd in this. Like, he's a... He, I believe him as a comic book nerd who would watch three Street Fighter movies. Right. Uh, that kind of
1: weird almost not weird almost weird type of loner nerd guy that not like he's because he doesn't have friends he's perfectly fine not having people around him who doesn't share don't share this the sunny chiba or elvis or that kind of stuff and not everybody does you know it's like being a horner not everybody loves horror like they'll watch a horror movie but they don't love horror so you kind of I have to isolate yourself a little bit because you don't, when it comes to that, because it's a different type of a different type of thing. And he play, he comes off of like, he's perfectly fine going through life without anybody because he, he enjoys what he enjoys. And then he meets somebody who does. And it's like, okay, this is a perfect match.
0: And immediately he's willing to die for her. Yeah. him, Him going to Drexel with an empty envelope that's a suicide show basically is what he's doing. Cause there's, there's no way he's going to get out of that alive. Yeah. Cause somehow, it's not
1: like he reconned or, you know, did something to where he could see what well, he could have walked in there and there could have been a, a pimp with five bodyguards all with shotguns. I mean, yeah, it's, you it's,
0: know, he doesn't have this fucking sniper buddy. There's no goGo 13 guy outside. Like, <laughs> there's no backup. Yeah. There's no backup. He's, but he's doing it out of love. And he's like this, my love is going to be my shield or he's not thinking about it because he's a fucking nerd or he thinks i'm gonna be
1: sony at chiba
0: <laughs> i mean yeah i would have loved to have seen him do some stupid bullshit Sunny chiba bullshit but he kind of like fumbles his way out of it and fucking survives somehow and that's kind of his character and i love it by he-
1: shooting drexel in the penis <laughs> like dude It's brutal every time. This is one of those movies that I've watched so much, but I love, like, I'm surprised every time something happens. You have those movies where you've seen it 27 times, but every time something happens in the movie, it's like almost like the first time you've watched it. Like, oh my God, he just shot him in the junk from literally two two inches away. And it's just like, it's so freaking, it's so great. (laughs) I love this movie so much.
0: Yeah, we really do. He feels like the prototypical, and I don't think Brian Lee O'Malley had him in mind, but he feels very much like a Scott Pilgrim, where he's doing everything out of love, but he's a fucking nerd. But the the twist to that is Scott Pilgrim's actually competent because he played so many Street Fighter games. Clarence has watched a lot of Street Fighter movies and is not. He has no skill <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> And he just kind of manages to get out by the skin of his teeth. I think he kills two people in this. Like, there's, it's not like he's like action man. And so that means Alabama kills more, uh, almost as many people as he does. Like, it's not like, there's a lot of action don't get us wrong people die in this but it's not because of Clarence it's not like he becomes John Wick action man right
1: and that and that's what and that's what makes it great because in today's in in the wrong hands all that kind of stuff you probably have Clarence coming off more cool than what he really is Mm -hmm. because then you know because you see this there's times where like there's the part where they're at the drug deal at the very end and he's talking to, um, to Solly Donowitz. He's the one who's going to be buying and you just see him just click. "I, I I've got this, I've got the charisma. I can BS my way through all this, but then there's certain times where he's when he's talking to his dad or something, it's like, you can see, it's just like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just doing this and hoping that it works out for the best. Yeah, and he, he plays that really well, and that's I what think I think. Mean, he even he says that, like he's well. like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I I love it. Like he's he has the Tarantino ability to charm anyone in the room. Like he can talk his way out of anything, but like Tarantino, and no apologies, to Tarantino. but Tarantino likes to play it, uh, talk a big game
2: because
0: mm-hmm. back in the day, he was a very volatile man. He liked to fight paparazzis and journalists and people in pubs and shit this is all well documented i'm not telling s- stories out of school like the man liked to fight people um but i don't think anyone is intimidated by tarantino to be honest like come on he's really not but i think his skill is that he has charisma it's undeniable charisma if you talk enough I mean, people will listen to you, and I think Clarence right. does that. He loves – he legitimately loves Lee Donowitz's – or Don, what is his name? Lee Donowitz? Lee Donowitz, yeah. Um, he loves his movies, the Coming Home in a Body Bag 2 or whatever it is. <laughs> um, his, and it's Donowitz, that's Donnie Donowitz's grandson, great-grandson, the Bear Jew. They yeah. are related, so – there's that Tarantino MCU bullshit going on again. He he loves that bullshit, but um, I just I love Christian Slater in this. I love Patricia. We love the cast. So let's just get on to it. Let's get onto that recast. What's your grade for this movie?
1: Ah, uh, it's I mean it's A plus. <laughs> I mean, you it's going just, A
0: plus for this? Oh, I'll goodness.
1: go to me. It's A plus. It's just I don't think there's anything wrong other uh, other than. Like I said, I don't know what else is what. What do you change about this movie? Absolutely nothing, well, other you than put maybe in that work.
0: Deleted scene where you have Jack Black in it because you got to get Jack Black in this movie.
1: Well, that's true. He's but if in, you get you more Google the cast walking. for
0: this fucking movie, his ass pops up before like seven people. I'm like, he's not even in the damn thing. Like people, he's it's so. It's one of those famous deleted scenes that Jack Black isn't in this movie, and it's like. Why do people remember that so much that that an actor isn't in a movie? But I'm I'm giving it an A. I don't... Well, I guess let's... Because I was going to ask you this off mic. Or I guess I did ask you it off mic and I was trying to segue into it, but we never did because I tend to ramble. If this wasn't Tarantino movie, or let's just throw it into Tarantino filmography, where where would you put it?
1: Where would I rank this among...
0: Because I know this is your favorite... I know this is your favorite Tony Scott film
1: yeah so yeah but i don't know i'm not a i am not a top gun fan Yeah. which can we talk about the also i you know it's hilarious that i can't remember the movie but the quentin tarantino top gun speech
0: yes and i i can never remember what movie it's from
1: i is it like sleeping with people or sleeping with others something like that I, i don't but they if you don't know what it is google it or youtube it whatever i'm not going to get into uh, this great big deal about but basically it's him talking about how gay top gun is he's given this big long monologue to this guy at a party he's just at a party talking and it's typical tarantino stuff but talking about how gay top gun is and who directed top gun <laughs> <laughs> and then who directed true it's just it's hilarious i i've, I've never seen or heard if they ever talked or discussed that or if anything ever came, came of that but you know it's hilarious never,
0: i've never connected those thoughts that's yeah was that crazy the movie is sleep with me and sleep with
1: I, me i knew it was sleep something
0: yeah i've never seen it personally i just know of that clip because yeah. it's he fucking breaks down that movie to a point where you, there is absolutely no way after listening to his fucking three and a half minute spiel or whatever it is where you go away from that movie going yep yeah, that's the gayest fucking movie ever made <laughs> like there's it's gayer than nightmare on elm street too and that movie is as gay as was was was. meant
1: to be yeah
0: yeah it's super duper meant to be gay top gun is i you watch it as a a 13 year old you're like yay airplanes tom cruise fun (laughs) volleyball yeah (laughs) you you listen to his rant, you're like sweet jesus small
1: small small, uh bath towels wrapped around val kilmer yay (laughs) yay
0: it's so fucking gay it's i I, I doubt that movie is worth watching that is during tarantino's time where he's like i want to be an actor thankfully that shit went away because not the best i think he's not bad in some of the movies he's in like pulp fiction he's fine but
1: I, yeah, no, no. he's
0: fine in that movie. And Roger, that's kind of the the split between him and Roger Avery, because Roger Avery said he wrote that, and Tarantino didn't give him credit for it. And I'm like, who gives who gives a shit? Like, who, who gives a shit? Like Roger Avery, did you really honestly write that? Come on, come on. I know you got an Oscar for Pulp Fiction, but how much of that movie did you really write? Come on, be real with us, Roger. Uh-huh. But I'm giving yeah, I'm giving this an A. Mm-hmm. If I was to put this in Tarantino's filmography, it's, yeah. above, it's above the Kill Bills.
1: Above the Kill Bills. For me, it's above Jackie Brown. I know you love Jackie Brown. I do love
0: Jackie Brown. I've been bugging you to do Jackie Brown forever. Uh,
1: we'll get to it eventually. It's above Jackie Brown's, above the Kill Bills for me. I would say it's above Hateful Eight. Yeah. I would struggle putting it... It's definitely not above Once Upon a Time. It's not above Inglorious. It's not above Reservoir Dogs. It's not above Pulp Fiction. It would be. I I really like Django Unchained. So it would be either right. It would be either tied or around that. My I wouldn't be upset putting it above Django just because I. It's to me. The thing I love about Django is the performances more than the movie. Mm-hmm. So. This one has both, so I'd probably put it right above Django too, barely. So, yeah, round five, whatever that is.
0: I think we're kind of in the same spot. It's a, just I have Reservoir Dogs lower on my list. I think this is considerably better than Reservoir. I've never... I think Reservoir Dogs is great, but I, I've i always thought it was low-tier Tarantino. I The this Da, 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 da. the sicilian speech alone i think is better than anything Reservoir yeah it true. is yeah, I probably top two top three i mean of course the ezekiel speech in pulp fiction is an iconic the gold watch monologue iconic uh, uh christoph Watts' monologue in the beginning of bastards yeah but fuck man that's Sicilian speech. It's so good and Chris Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Walken is just sitting there he's laughing he's you know, eggplant. Wow. Like he's <laughs> he's doing nothing but Hopper is doing everything in the scene and it's what we didn't I mean we, we talked about it I like kind kind of but cuz we talked about how there's no more actors. Right. They, not only is there no actors like that, there's no icons like that. Yeah. It's Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Two of the great, iconic villains of cinema in a scene together, and Dennis Hopper is not the bad guy of the scene. He's actually one of his only good, legit good guy roles. I mean, he's saying some repugnant shit, but he—he's dying. He knows what he's doing. He's
1: dying for his son. Yeah, you know. Even they he's even talk about how, him. yeah, how the the strained relationship that they had. He, you know, he's a uh, a, a, a recovering alcoholic. He's never he was never there for his son. All that they don't really have a relationship, that kind of thing. But in that moment, he's still dad and he does what he needs to do. He, what's crazy is he's Dennis Hopper, but he's the least threatening person in that scene. Yeah. And he plays it, but he, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, like you can, you know it, but you don't know it because as soon as he gets done with the speech and Christopher Walken stands up. You see this look on Hopper's face like all right I'm about to die. You know like he knew he knew it before that but you can see that but he never le- he never really loses that. Yeah, I'm going to spit in your face while while you're killing me type of attitude as well. And it's
0: one of my favorite anytime where he's not playing the villain is like a a piece of casting against type to me because he plays such a great villain especially this is four years five years removed from blue velvet where he's top 10 best villains ever like he would dennis hopper and frank booth would fucking kill everyone in this movie like vincenzo has no there's no way like frank booth is an unhinged pit bull of a character. And, and for, we will
1: do that movie sometime then. How are you going to recast Frank freaking Booth? Dennis Hopper as Frank Booth. Oh my god.
0: Uh, it's it's <laughs> one of the hardest things you have ever given me
1: to do cuz it's
0: there is no Hopper.
1: There is no Hopper.
0: There is literally no Hopper cuz it was a it was supposed to be another actor. And if you want to see the actual original Frank Booth, you have to watch uh what is that movie with Oh, my goodness. Bill Pullman, Lost Highway. Oh, okay. Robert Loggia. If you want to see the original Frank Booth, Robert Loggia, Loggia was supposed to be him. So he just did his Frank Booth in Lost Highway. And it's a good performance, but it ain't fucking Dennis Hopper. It ain't Dennis Hopper. It's intimidating as shit. He's really fucking good in that movie. But De- Dennis Hopper got the role because he's like, I am Frank Booth. And Dennis, uh, um, David Lynch was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't argue with that. So, yeah, that's going to be a hard casting. But I just love the fact that he's not the bad guy in the scene. He's just, this fucking movie, man, so good. So, I'm giving an A. I really honestly have no argument. I Like, there's no reason why I'm not giving it an A+. plus. Only because if I was putting in this in Tarantino's filmography, I don't think it's as good as Jackie Brown or his his best movies. Like I don't think this is as good as Inglorious Bastards or Pulp Fiction. So, yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I'm. It probably is an A, but it's one of those I'm probably grading it a little bit on my my bias of how much i I love i have this this, movie so much and
0: you're not wrong though like i honestly legitimately cannot think of a single thing i would change i love this movie i go back to it every couple of years it holds up yep Yep. and and i honest it's like i i honestly don't know why i'm not giving A plus good just to be a contrarian asshole i guess i like i I honestly don't know why
1: and there's not one like even even freaking uh balky like you're not changing him. He's perfect mm. in this movie. Michael Rappaport an annoying tool. Like that's you? just who that guy is. We're going to get some Michael Rappaport Yeah. Have words. <laughs> have words about I mean him. it's like but there's no Kevin Corrigan who's in it for like a a, a second. He's even like cuz he he get, he's given so much of a character within just a few seconds just to walk in and point a gun at a stoner. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt It's like it's just it's crazy that there's nothing wrong with this movie i don't know what tell me what is wrong there's nothing you know uh, yeah you want to sit here and talk about oh some of the dialogue or this or that but that was it, what it was then and there's still nothing wrong with it it's just people are too sensitive nowadays I but
0: f- honestly i feel like it, because you just mentioned some things i feel like if this was made a year later i think maybe vincenzo would have been denzel washington and I think Drexel may, may, maybe would have been black. Just so he would skirt past the controversy. Because Tony Scott has famously worked with Denzel many times. It's one of my favorite actor-director collaborations. And I think that would have been an interesting. I don't know. Because now you got me thinking about Kevin Corrigan. And he's an actor that, fuck me, I love. I love him so I, much. Anytime
1: he shows. One of my favorite bits of his because he literally doesn't say a word is Nick and Nora's infinite playlist <laughs> where he's just like this guy in a subway who just got off of work didn't even take off his apron he's still wearing the hat like a chef's type hat and he's just sitting there next to this drunk idiot and whatnot and doesn't say a word but he just oh uh, yeah he's one of those guys that I just love anytime he pops up I watched
0: almost all of that show, Grounded for Life, because of him and Donnell Logue. Terrible show. <laughs> Terrible. One of the most cliched sitcoms I have ever seen. But I love Donnell Logue and Kevin Corrigan so fucking much that I was like, I gotta. All right, what is this family up to today? Like, I had to watch it because I love them so much. That's... And it's
1: crazy how, like, he's one of those that he's always butted up next to a lot of great stuff Mm -hmm. like he's in this he's in i mean you know i always remember him from the departed like Mm -hmm. even his his one scene that he's there you know acting with leo and it's just he's always you know super bad i mean (laughs) he plays he's, he's a great character in that freaking you know he's he's one of those but he's we say Kevin Corrigan, there's not many people that are knowing who Kevin Corrigan is unless you really love who it is. I guarantee you, I just said this. a lot of people are like, Kevin, the who who are you talking about?
0: But then you go you through know. and you're like, he's in all of your favorite movies.
1: Right. Yeah. He always oh, that he's one of those that guys from today. So yeah, this movie is just it's so great. I love it so much. The music, you know what's funny? I didn't realize this. I, I think I read it last a while back whatever but you know the whole thing there's Elvis mixed in there so much but there's no Elvis songs or anything and I didn't realize I guess his estate had an issue with the movie once they found out and they didn't let them use any of the music or anything for this
0: oh I didn't know that
1: yeah yeah because of everything that was going on about the you know if I was gonna have sex with one guy it would have been elvis and then the beaten up and all like everything that it was Why about
0: anyone have a, an issue like that's the biggest compliment if a straight dude's like i, would I just think that. it was
1: everything i think it was I, all everything encompassed the oh, whole dude, movie
0: this is a horribly violent movie so i understand that but yeah also his his songs are famously expensive to license right like every... there
1: supposed to be like i think the opening one what well, the op- one of the opening songs was supposed to be him or an elvis song and then that was kind of it and then you'd had a few like intertwined in it hmm. or something like that but yeah his, you know, his it was interesting expensive. that was one i was like okay that because you don't really i mean there's it's a great soundtrack don't get me wrong but you would think at least one elvis song would be in there elvis is freaking mentioned so many times and he's the mentor val kilmer is basically elvis you know the ghost of elvis You know, hanging out with in Christian Slater's mind.
0: They never specifically say it, but no, um, you know what it is.
1: All right, I think we have talked about this movie quite a bit.
0: It's a it's an A plus movie. We need
1: we need to see uh, we we've we've raised your your. uh, I can't give
0: it an A. I mean an A plus, but it is an A plus movie. Yeah, I fully I fully say that I am wrong. I'm full. I'm fully admitting that I am wrong. Not giving it an A plus it's a perfect movie
1: yeah it It really is are you ready to ready to get into this cast here
0: i mean yeah well well, we got to start with our director sir so who do you got
1: the director uh so we already talked about tony scott i I didn't realize how long ago he died back in 2012
0: 10 years
1: that's man that's 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 that's, that's crazy so i wanted to go i think the the first name and, and you know and it was obvious and The first one that popped in my head was uh, Drew Goddard because I think he he did. I, I, you know, it's not who I'm going with, but I think he popped in my head. But because of bad times at El Royale, whatever the hell that movie is, it was it, it was Quentin Tarantino light and he did a cabin in the woods, which is freaking great. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like, I like what he does and all that, but I wanted to, I'm like, ah, do I really want to go with somebody that's basically Quentin Tarantino de, did a Quentin Tarantino light type movie just to turn around and do a Quentin Tarantino type movie. And I was like, no. So I went with somebody who kind of has covered all the things that we kind of talked about one that he's done action. So I know he can do the action violence type of stuff he's a, he's a really good writer and that's what makes this movie so i think it's one of those where he probably writes it and directs it and he's used a lot of really good looking people and had them not be the best looking people in the movie and so i'm going with Shane Black that's
0: a hell of a choice i th-
1: i think you know kiss kiss bang bang as far as his directing kiss kiss bang bang iron man 3 so that's where we know we, we can do the action and all that. But, you know, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, yeah. Robert Downey Jr.'s excellent looking guy, but he's not that great looking. Val Kilmer, excellent looking guy, all that stuff. The nice guys go to the nice guys. And even though it's not one of my favorite movies, but you got really good writing. You got really it's 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 got some fun to it. But Ryan Gosling, one of the sexiest guys on the face of the planet, It's basically going around half the movie, most of the movie with a broken like wrist or hand on a cast and he's got the stupid mustache and all that stuff. So he's not meant to look really good looking and all that stuff. So, you know, the predator wasn't great or anything, but I think if anybody is going to update this. Because I like the, you know, we're, you and I, we go back. So we're going to talk about the MCU just a tiny bit. You and I are one of the few people that really liked the twist in Iron Man 3.
0: (laughs) If you don't, you're wrong and go fuck yourself. It's the most Um, interesting thing that's ever happened in the MCU.
1: Yeah. And uh, nobody talks about it or people just hate, period. I think more people have kind of come around to it, but.
0: At I think time, now I remember is... the
1: absolute frothing at the mouth. How many people were well, there's, absolutely people destroyed. are still
0: fucking it w- if it wasn't for Shang-Chi people would. St- I mean, thankfully we finally have the Mandarin in the MCU. So people would shut the fuck up yeah. about Mandarin is not a good character. He is a racial stereotype that has fucking rings and he man, i man, I'm bad yeah. guy. It's he's a terrible fucking villain. Ben Kingsley's performance in that is the fucking greatest thing. Y'all should be on your knees worshiping Shane Black for giving you something interesting. Because without that twist, it's the same fucking movie as the first one. It's yeah. the same fucking plot. The only bad thing about that movie is the fact that he couldn't use his original twist, which was... um, Oh, not Rebecca Black. Rebecca Hall oh. was supposed to be the villain, but... Because Marvel couldn't sell girl toys, <laughs> it had to be Guy pierce and that's that's not conjecture. That Ugh, is one hundred percent facts.
1: I know it's freaking. I don't know if they'd have made that in twenty twenty one. Shane Black could, is such so.
0: an interesting choice because he's probably the third, and he wrote famously Last Boy Scout. So he's worked with only Scott before, but there was yeah. a time where he was the Tarantino. What is the – I think it was the last Boy Scout – no, no, uh, the Long Kiss Good Night where he got $5 million for that screenplay. Yeah. Shit. Like, he was the most – he was the, the more talented Todd McFarlane of screenwriting. Because Todd McFarlane, who did Spawn, was – such hot shit in the comic book industry like everyone like lost their fucking minds and it's just like he got paid so much money to do spider-man covers and i'm like he's not even that good he's not even that good y'all shane black was actually talented and he has that witty tarantino-esque dialogue so. right and he's
1: got different i mean lethal weapon he wrote i mean that's one of the best action movies of all time easily it's up there especially one of the best buddy cop movies monster squad we both love monster squad mm-hmm. lethal weapon Two. you know characters and story he didn't really write or anything but he did write last boy scout and then Last action hero it's a really unique movie i people either they they I, some people don't like that movie or they, it's not talked about enough but it's a great concept and it's a really interesting it's the a long kiss good night Go it's ahead.
0: a very good misfire yeah. i don't think it's a perfect movie no I think not it at gets, all because it's the beginning of arnold schwarzenegger's downslide as an action as a movie star arnold schwarzenegger himself has said that it's like the beginning of the end of his career and so mm-hmm. he came back but i'm like this is one of the smartest fucking movies you've ever been in schwarzenegger which so. also
1: makes perfect sense for that because that's you know he's playing himself in a sense of, you know and it's just like uh, well we don't get off on that tangent,
0: are we not but, are we not gonna mention I mean he didn't technically write predator but he did write predator
1: right yeah yeah and that's what I mean and, and then he's he's also has that around so and then you add in kiss kiss bang bang Iron Man three the nice guys I mean this this dude can do it yeah he does he have some misfires yes but predators is that,
0: terrible absolutely fucking terrible yeah but i'm not going to blame him because no. famously the studio took that movie away from him and but you can google online that there are predators in the team predators team up with them there's predators hanging out by a tank so there, there's clearly a different edit of that movie where they team up with predators to take on a super badass predator yeah why they cut that out of the movie i do not know but the studio fucking cobbled that damn movie together out like they, it's it's a mess of a fucking movie and it ain't Shane Black's fault because yeah. that man if anything no story structure and that damn thing is pieced together with band aids and tears right. it's a terrible fucking movie and because of that we're not gonna get his um oh my goodness Doc Savage movie because he wanted to make that for fucking ever with the Rock and the nice guys fucking failed because the nice guys is born out of kiss kiss bang bang because it was mm-hmm. technically it was supposed to be the sequel to that and he just changed it because those actors got too old i love the nice guys yeah. like i will go on record as saying it's one of my favorite movies i love that fucking movie shane black is a, that's that's a damn good choice and he needs yep, a hit yep. to come back yeah so.
1: right and this would be i think it would be fine so all right who's your director choice
0: mine's not my the first person i thought of because i didn't think of the tarantino i thought of uh, tony scott and i thought of one of those interesting because you can't really pin down a tony scott movie what is that i don't know like he's done so many different things so the first thing that i thought of was gore verbinski who was famous for doing the pirates of the caribbean movies but he's done the ring mouse hunt he's literally a million different genres got an Oscar for Ringo or some shit like he's doing a bunch of different movies and I'm like I would have liked to see another actor I mean another director that needs a solid hit to come back because a cure for wellness kind of like popped the brakes on his career unfortunately it's not the worst it's just way too fucking long but I'm going with a, a newer director Who's also a writer-director, but he's only written one movie. I'm going with Corey Finley, who did the 2017 movie Thoroughbreds, which is famous for being Anton yelchin's last movie or one of his last movies. Oh, rest and, in peace, bud. And Bad, oh yeah. He's he is our Bill Paxton. He he might be our hey, patron saint.
1: Yeah, no, I every time i started thinking about movies or looking up or if i start googling actors or whatever for some reason he pops up and it's just like yeah he'd be great for this movie <laughs> he would be a perfect fucking clarence he's he a perfect would.
0: clarence he is he would. god damn he went too soon rest in peace but he also directed bad education the hugh Jackman movie which got a lot of oscar buzz and then got nothing like no Everyone was talking about it, and then no one talked about it, which was fucking crazy to Typical. Me. I, I'm like, wh- why? where did this go? Like, what happened? Because that and the frontrunner, like Hugh Jackman had such a great year that year, and then, like, come Oscar time, like, everyone forgot about those movies. But Thoroughbreds, if you haven't seen it, is like, I mean, I'm just going to steal somebody else's quote. It's American Psycho meets Heathers, which I feel like is a pretty apt.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: description of what this movie that's a, good, is. that's a good that's
1: a good way to put it
0: well uh, it's it's two um, ladies who decide to maybe concoct a murder and rope in poor Anton Yelchin to maybe pull it off with them and then Bad Education is the true story of this embezzlement scheme involving school funds and shit also fantastic you can find that one on HBO I don't know where Thoroughbreds is but both are worth a look Neither one of, I mean, both of these involve crime and neither one of these is a love story per se. So there's nothing about these movies that would sell him as a choice, but I'm like, there's nothing about true romance that, or nothing about Tony Scott's filmography where you'd be like, oh, he's perfect for true romance. I think a good director can do anything. And I think Corey Finley is on his way. I'm not saying he's, I think he shows enough promise right now with two movies then i'm like i want to see what else he can do and while a remake of true romance might be a bad career decision because immediately he's trying to dig himself out of a hole because people love this fucking movie i think he can do it so and i would love to see him work with the cast i have assembled because it's kind of crazy it's kind of wild and he's worked with bad education's got a lot of fucking great actors in it Hugh jackman ray romano and whatnot. I'm not running there on the whole cast. You could look it up on IMDb. There's a lot of fucking people. So he knows how to get good performances out of people. He knows how to uh, do tension. Not action. There's no action. I mean, this is kind of action in Thoroughbreds, kind of. Not really. But I just think he's a solid director, and I want to see him work with, when, within the world of Tarantino while rewriting it, doing his own spin on it, because he is a writer. I think Thoroughbreds is a well-written movie, so... I want to see him put his own stamp on this movie. So Corey Finley is my pick.
1: Oh, uh, it's uh, it's a solid pick. I haven't seen Bad Education just because it felt like your typical Oscar bait type mm-hmm. of movie. I'll probably get around to it eventually. I do like Hugh Jackman, so I'll it's... watch him. But I did. I really enjoyed Thoroughbreds. I mean, it's got three of the best young actors around just killing it you know olivia cook i i love i love her almost everything she's done anya taylor joy is one of the best actresses right now period and then there's freaking anton yelchin so it's it's really good and it is it is very it's a very smart dark um like a black comedy dark comedy type of thing so yeah no that's pitch a black, that's a good pitch, pick. Black. pitch black just mm. really yeah really good
0: I mean they are planning to murder somebody and it's but it's yeah, it's never as dour as that. And bad education is not as baiting. it's funny. Ray Romano's in it, although he's playing it relatively serious, but he's still Ray Romano so he can't help but be you know fucking Ray Romano funny, but it's not what you think it would be. It's the man has I that's why I didn't watch it at first because I'm like, yeah, I know what this is. You know, you should see those every November, December. Right. I, I know what this is. and But this is was a surprise to me. Plus, I, sh- I shouldn't have doubted it. It's got Hugh Jackman. He's never let me down. I love you, dude. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I haven't doubted you.
1: Hey, hey, yeah, X Men, Wolverine, Origins didn't let you down.
0: <laughs> He's not bad in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, he came back with Logan, so
1: he's he's good in my book. This is true. This is true. Now, okay, so we're going through these two quick. So <laughs> no I'm quick. putting a time. I'm putting a timer on Sailor once he gets to his, and I'm going <laughs> to cut him off, and we're going to move on to our next next picks after this. So weird like I said, we there's so many that we cut out because they're only literally in one minute, two minute scenes. You know, I, Brad Pitt. Like I said, he. I think he's. We've covered him twice. Well, I think we. This is like the one movie we got everybody. We were covering somebody for the first time, twice. Brad Pitt. No, this will be a third time we would have had Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Forgot about because we did Fight Club and Thelma and Louise. But mm. Tom Sizemore. This will be the second time we've covered him, and Gary Oldman. Will be the second time we covered him. But so we we had to we had to cut some weight. Sorry. So well, he lays in a bed
0: and does nothing. It's it's Seth Rogen.
1: But he's so great. That's what's uh, he's amazing at doing nothing.
0: He really is. It's one of the great because he's like, man, y'all need to get out of my face. Like he just, he's like smoking pot out of like a
1: honey bear. Like thing. and it's crazy he didn't get typecast off of that either. You know what I mean? Like I could have easily have seen him just he was just gonna be a stoner for the you know the next few years and that type of thing i mean he didn't allow him i mean he was very smart we've talked about him quite a bit but it's 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 pretty hilarious that he just he wasn't somebody else's stoner or he was a a movie about being stoned for the next three years or something like that so anywho so we're going through these two really quick did you have something
0: well when because we never mentioned this but jason Reichman has these table reads he, uh, he used to like six years ago do table reads famously. He did big Lebowski and star Wars and the uh, Pulp Fiction is another big one, but he did do this one and he brought back Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. He got Seth Rogen to play that. I mean, so that's, it's, you know, you get an obvious person to play a stoner, so that's what's great about this. Because at the time, Brad Pitt wasn't the obvious stoner. I mean, it's on record now as he's a huge pothead, but at the time, no one really fucking knew that because he's just the hot guy from Thelma and Louise. The and it, you, he, you cannot pigeonhole the Brad, Brad Pitt. It's like Sean Penn to me. Like after Spicoli, you would think Sean Penn would just do that character every time, right. and he's never done it again. He's been in like one comedy, like. He, He's like, nope, never do that Sam. shit again. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> you never go full retard. All right, you got two comedies. Uh, Fair enough. You got all, right, two. all right, all right,
1: all right, all right, Okay, so uh, we're going through the two DEA agents. They're in it for what? A couple of scenes, mm-hmm. three, two or three at the most. But they're they're pretty important part of the movie, and they're Chris Penn you know, he, he was he was, you know, a flame that burned bright really quick, made, made an impact and was always kind of in in some bad movies, but had uh, had, you know, Footloose, this, you know, just best of the best, you know, Reservoir, his Dog, best performance. Yeah, <laughs> no, Reservoir Dogs, he's great in Reservoir Dogs, but Tom, Tom Sizemore, we talked about him enough. So this is Nikki Dimes and Cody Nicholson. So really quick, I'm going to say my two, give a quick spill and then we'll move on uh the for the chris pan character Nikki dimes uh, he he doesn't say or do much he just kind of seems like the tough kind of serious one out of the group tom sizemore is absolutely charismatic like he's yelling he's talking he's the, he's probably like the good cop when they're interrogating people and chris Penn comes in and is just like i uh, just stands there like i'm gonna murder you if you don't tell us what we're what we need to chris
0: pen has got those know. fucking eyes man
1: yeah he's 28
0: i know i said this a lot off mic 28 years old he looks like he's 45 (laughs) (laughs) he ruined my casting because i'm like well my guys are way too old like i have to find something younger i didn't i had to find 40 year olds that looked like they were 30 because i couldn't find a 28 year old that looked 45 not
1: not today yeah no another thing we talk about a lot (laughs) yeah people age differently So for the Chris Penn role to kind of go quiet, I really like this character or this actor, but he's not, he's not a great actor. He's better when he talks less. So that's why I kind of, but I also want him to kind of have a small comeback. I'm not, you know, he's he was never really there, I guess, but to get a rub off of this, I'm going with uh, Taylor Kitsch um, from Friday night lights. Uh, He was, you know, John Carter in that, awful john carter movie that type of thing but not he, bad. He, he, he do what not that bad. it's not it's not that bad but it's it is to everybody else type of thing and he was gambit you know and so he did some things and then he just kind of went away and i think he's slowly kind of coming back okay done with him next would be the uh, tom <laughs> sizemore the tom sizemore i don't i don't love this actor but i do think he would do fine he's he has that same type of energy and I kind of to be not Tom Sizemore was never silly in this but he's character and all that I went with Michael Pena
0: you are fucking using Michael Pena in a movie that's
1: in this but I mean like I said it's three you know give me three scenes give me that type of Tom Sizemore because he could do that type of Tom Sizemore energy Mm -hmm. and I do like him better when he's more serious I just don't find him funny I mean, fair enough. I
0: think he's... We're not going to get into this, but I'm one of the only people that likes the movie Crash, not the David Cronenberg one. I like it. Do you like Crash? No shit? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't understand the hate.
0: I, I will never understand the hate. And one of the reasons why that I can always defend this is because of the performances. And you cannot tell me Michael Pena's performance in that movie is not fucking stellar. Him and Matt Dillon... Are so fucking good in that movie, and my boy Brenda Fraser. But those two
1: performances—I thought everybody was good in that. Well,
0: they're all great, but there's—I mean, I mean, even Sandra Bullock's good in that movie, and I usually kind of bounce off of her as a performer.
1: And then was it Fandy Newton, or am yes. I thinking somebody? Else? Or Tandy yes. Newton? Yeah, Tandy Newton. Yeah, Tandy Newton. Mm-hmm. I think she's not. She's not bad in it. I mean, like I liked. I, I did like Michael Pena in that, and I thought I want more of that Michael Pena. But then some of the others where he's like funny, trying to be funny and all that. I just don't find him funny. So
0: I, I can see why you don't like him in Ant Man. But um, oh, what is the movie with Seth Rogen, where he's the security guard, stand and deliver or some shit? No, observe and report. Got it. I think Michael Peña is so goddamn funny in that movie. He is a fucking crazy scene, scene stealer. We're not going to spend much time on this, but I'm so yeah. happy that you finally picked Michael Peña in the movie.
1: Uh, and I figure this would be one to get him out of the way, too.
0: I, I'm not going to spend much time on Taylor Kitsch, but let's just say in an episode coming up, I might be picking Taylor Kitsch.
1: He's, he's I been thought up- about saving him, but I was like, you know what? I This will be a good rub. I'll use him later on down the line somewhere. I've been wanting to use him. And I think he'd be fine in this, and this would build him up for my next movie, whenever mm. I cast him, you know, next year type of thing.
0: I th- I think he's hell of an actor, and he's making the right moves. He I think he realized that he's like I'm doing bad movie. Like John Carter was th- probably the wrong mistake. Maybe I'm not a movie star. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a better character actor. He was also he like- was
1: really good in Lone Survivor
0: yes he's fantastic on survivor he's fantastic and the waco you told me he's yeah again that i yeah. still haven't seen i saw bits and pieces i haven't seen all of it yet
1: i haven't seen him on the true detective
0: yet yeah i keep forgetting to watch yeah. that season what is it season two season three one of those seasons i know right, right. we
1: spent per- too much we spent too much time oh, sorry, Go sorry, on because yours, yours, right. right. <laughs> yeah. now we gotta i'm gonna have to cut you off here
0: I know real quick. So I was originally going to do super stupid obvious Christopher Maloney who's on La- <laughs> I, I love him, but I'm like, oh. fuck that. I, I love him too much. I'm not wasting every cop
1: show. Yeah,
0: yeah, every cop show. Law and order. But, you you know, <laughs> I love him too much to waste him in this. And he, I was also going to pair him with um, the actor Matt Cervito, who is the FBI agent in Sopranos. But I know him mo- mostly as the devil from Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. I just love those two guys. I would love to see them in a cop thing together. But I'm like, that's so fucking obvious. It's so obvious. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Then I was thinking, I'm like, wouldn't it be funny to have like Patty Constantine and Rafe Spall's characters from Hot Fuzz? <laughs> reprise their characters in this for no reason i'm like wouldn't that be fun it'd be stupid as shit but it'd be funny because they it reminds me of that same kind of dynamic where they're not the best cops but they're going to get the job done but so i was like all right who who would i want to see the most you've ran
1: out of time sorry okay (laughs) you don't even get to your picks
0: (laughs) all right so on to our our virtual no uh little rel howry Okay, you know, you know him from Get Out. You love him, and Chad Coleman. You may not know, but he's the big black guy from Walking Dead, Orville, The Wire, The Expanse, a million fucking things. You probably know him as he's uh, he's in a couple episodes of It's Sunny. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So just Google <laughs> Chad Coleman. You know his fucking face. He's a big black guy. I thought he was going to be Luke Cage, but I guess he was a little too older for that role. But I needed somebody big, I needed somebody funny for a fucking cop show that's never going to get made, and I think they would have great fucking chemistry together. That's it. On to our Virgils.
1: <laughs> All right, Virgil. This is the... Uh... <laughs> no, those are those are good things. I, lo- I, lo- I like both of them. And I could see... I wouldn't mind seeing a little... He could do fine. A little bit more serious would be fine from him as well. But okay, so on to Virgil. Virgil is... He's part of... Uh, Vincenzo's crew and uh, but he's uh, kind of looking for clarence and uh, alabama he's uh, played by the great uh, the late great james gandolfini
0: How who is tony, T-
1: T- tony soprano that's all we got to say mm-hmm. and he's tony soprano and basically he's looking for for him he has a scene where he meets up with the stoner brad pitt and then he finds we, we talked about earlier, uh, Alabama and beats the living dog best out of her. I mean, he, it's, he's so unlikable in that freaking scene. So you kind of have to find somebody like that. But he's likable in
0: the beginning. Oh, he yeah. has a little bit of charm. And yeah. that's that's where I was going for. But no, after that, the facade, once he doesn't need to be likable anymore.
1: No, oh, yeah, exactly. He isn't. But he is
0: in the beginning because he has to get into her room to get information.
1: Yeah, he seems like an insurance salesman (laughs) type guy. Yeah, once
0: once he drops that, he's like, I don't need to. And he's smiling the whole time. He's beating the shit out of her face. Oh,
1: yeah. He's just toying with her. Like, Mm -hmm. once she starts to fight back, he's like, okay, now I'm really going to hurt you, all that. Because he could have, I mean, of course, he wants to find. He's looking for the, the drugs and he wants to find all that stuff. And He could have killed her right away mm-hmm. and then just waited for Clarence to show up and beat the crap out of him and probably would have had, would probably had a, a better time getting information out of him than Alabama because she put up one hell of a fight. Well, but, you
0: know why I think he is so cold-blooded is, and I have never heard him confirm this, but that is my own personal headcanon. I think he's the third Vega brother. Yeah. And he's never, because I'm like,
1: Virgil, Vegas, that
0: Virgil Vega, Virgil yeah. Vega, like it yeah. just makes sense to me. Vic, Vic, um Vincent, and v- Virgil, and I'm like, why isn't Tarantino ever combined those three? Because I'm like, he's also a hitman. He works for the mob or yeah. mob related something. He's a fucking cold blooded guy. It's you. Uh, the only argument against it is that he doesn't look like them. And I'm like, Michael Massa doesn't look like fucking John Travolta. So <laughs> who gives a shit? Like,
1: he just look. Yeah, he looks like an older. He looks like a much older brother, but. Yeah. Now that I've heard that. And I think that's, I like that too. It, it would make sense, especially in his, if it's, if he may have been, if it had been a true Quentin Tarantino movie, he may have revealed that or something, but all right. So to kind of have somebody that does that, but also you don't want to like this person once he turns that on. Um, I went with Bobby kind of Ooh.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was um, probably the biggest thing that I could think of recently. I mean, he was uh, played a big part in empire, um, boardwalk empire. Mm -hmm. I remember watching him way back when he was, uh, uh, will and grace (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) way back in the day. He was in ant man, um, as, um, His name was Paxton. I don't really. I only saw Ant Man once, so I'm having a hard time really remembering. You either know him from
0: Station Agent or the recent Irishman, probably.
1: Yeah, and then that's what I was going to say. So, yeah, uh, probably most recently, um, is he in the? No, that's in something different. So, but yeah, uh, Italian actor. He's he's got a lot of charisma, but he can he can go to if you if you watch Boardwalk Empire, he can go to a all you don't like this person really quick type of character and um he's a he's a he is a physical i think you do need somebody that is physically imposing because that makes the whole him beating the crap bama standing up to him and you know taking those punches and taking the beating getting beat up even more of like man she's great uh, for being able to take that and then dish out some of her own that kind of stuff so yeah bobby kind of
0: my only, I guess, my only thing would be he might be a little too old because he feels like he would be a Vincenzo type, but I do like that actor a lot, and I do think that, yeah, it, I can already, I'm already picturing him just like having a good time, like getting mad that there's blood on his ring or some shit. Like,
1: well, I mean, yeah, he's 50, but James Gandolfini looked 50 in the That's
0: movie. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> The man never looked young. (laughs) Even in Crimson Tide, which came out after this, and somehow he kind of looks a little bit younger in that, but he he still looks like a young 50. Yeah. Like, man, fat just ages you. I'm also going with size, but I'm also going with charming at first. Like, I want you to be – like, I want him to – once he punches her in the face, you're not going to see it coming. So I thought of who, who has played good guys, who has played likable guys, and who has also played really good villains. And the first person that popped in my head, and who was also super tall and big, Ryan Hurst. You know him, if you know him, as Opie from Sons of Anarchy. But before that, he plays the fucking dumbass doof in Lady Killers. He plays the deaf guy in Saving Private Ryan ryan huh right yeah. like he can't he can't understand because that ex- right. explosion he's a chameleon when you see him in that and you see him in opie as opie you're like what and then you see him as omega and walking dead you're like oh ryan Hurst is one of the best underrated fucking actors like he is underutilized as shit why is he wasting his talent on tv somebody put him in movies quick and that's what i want to do i'm like i need to remind the world like no And he's just got cast as Thor in the new God of War. Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that.
0: Um, And I fucking, I heard a little bit of his voice. I didn't even know it was him. Um, But I'm like, fuck, man. He's got those pipes. And I like the way he, the new Thor's drawn. Not going to get into that, but he's kind of like thick. He's kind of a fat boy. He's built like a gorilla, which I I like. But yeah, um, I mean, that's a tangent. That's nothing. But Ryan... Hurst is super tall. He's like 6'2", six two, six three. Um, charming as shit. Because who doesn't love Opie from Sons of Anarchy? He's everyone's oh, favorite great. character from yeah. that fucking show.
1: Cried all the all the all the tears.
0: Um, spoiler well, alert! Spoiler alert! Was everyone's favorite. Rest was. In peace.
1: <laughs> he was really and he was really good and interesting character on Bates Motel. I don't know if you ever saw that one. But he played a really kind of uh, out, not out there, but a different type of character.
0: Was he later there. in the show? Because yeah, remember. he was later in the show. Because okay. I don't remember yeah. him in the beginning.
1: Say, so, yeah, it was like the season before it ended. I want to say like season four, season three, something like that. He um, basically just kind of comes out of nowhere. He kind of it kind of seems like he almost seems like a Unabomber type of guy, um, but not like crazy, but just kind of out in the out in the middle of you know Oregon forest living on his own with the long beard and that type of thing but an interesting character
0: that show is interesting but man did it go off the rails and yeah sometimes to good effect and sometimes you're like what am I even watching I thought this was about Norman Bates like what the fuck <laughs> right. what the fuck show is this like what the fuck but we will um,
1: get there eventually type I mean things.
0: now that um I know he's in it I might have to finish that show finally because yeah I, it's interesting character That he's, I just he made me almost go back to Walking Dead because I I saw a little bit of his performances, the second in charge of like this evil um, group. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't. So I'm just going to take it on good faith that he's good on that show, but (laughs) I can't watch that show. It's fucking terrible. But if anyone could get me back into that, Reinhurst, because he's fucking great.
1: You know, I almost I was I had him as one of the cops for a while.
0: Oh no, sure. that's I'm, what's I'm, funny. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page with this. But guy. I was like,
1: you know what? I'm gonna save him for something different because I love him so much as well. And I was like, because I was thinking of him doing the um the Chris Penn cop. Mm. You know, just look there, look tough. He looks like a tough guy. All that just be tough. But I'm like, no, I can I can save because he's he's one. The, I would like he wouldn't. He's not a lead. I don't. He's not a lead of a movie. But he's going to be a role bit player that he's, could he's, be throughout a movie. Yeah,
0: he's like any actor in this movie, except Christian Slater. Like he's right, yeah, he is a great. And I think Virgil is one of like the three scene stealers of the movie because this movie has so many. Like then Drexel steals the movie, and then Dennis Hopper steals the movie. Yeah. and then for a while, I've just
1: taking turns,
0: it's James Gandolfini because it, it doesn't really pick up again. until... Because no offense to Lee Donowitz. and Sal Rubinick is great in the movie, but he doesn't, he's not doesn't punch anyone in the fucking face. Was this, so.
1: was this Gandalfini's kind of breakout? Because I don't I don't, I I don't remember so, yeah, Money probably. for Nothing or Stranger Among Us. Like, or maybe not breakout, but kind of like, hey, who is this guy? Well, yeah, because
0: he did this in Crimson Tide, like back to back. Yeah. And, Probably this is the thing that like got his foot in the door, but yeah, I don't think people really give a shit about him until Sopranos.
1: And well, for- right, right. That's what I mean. But it may have been like, hey, who is this guy? But okay. All would, right, he, on- would he would
0: have gotten that without this? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not.
1: No, well, that's true. That's true. No telling. But all right, on to Elliot, which is Elliot is the so at a certain point, we kind of talked about earlier. Christian Slater. So Clarence in Alabama, they kill or Clarence kills the pimp uh, Drexel and still takes what he thinks is a suitcase of Alabama's clothes, but it ends up having cocaine in there and uh, uncut all that just the purest of pure and the best of the best that type of stuff and he's like okay well, i'm gonna go out to la and i'm gonna sell see if i can sell this i'm not gonna get greedy i just want to get rid of it and make a little bit of money for us to get out of out of the country type thing well he gets there and we'll get to a, a little bit he, he gets with his friend who's an actor who gets with his i think is his acting coach or somebody's in an acting class uh with him uh, which is elliot who is kind of the Makes the meet and greet and is kind of the the in between kind of the middleman here, and it's uh, played by and I'm going to butcher his last name is Bronson Pincho, Pincho, mm-hmm. Pincho, Bronson Pincho. If you don't know that name, uh, which nobody would, he's bulky from Perfect Strangers, but he's my my favorite is Savage from Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm akwell akmal Fowler, akwell <laughs> i love that oh there's one of my favorite i love that movie but i love that scene so much every time and it's no get out of here i was like when their interactions is some of the best i love it mm-hmm. so it's much good. but
0: he's great in that one and then every time they use him after that you're like man yeah, diminishing not... returns yeah just <laughs> i also want to throw out his performance in the terrible tv movie langoliers the only good thing about it it's not an interesting it's the one where the plane filled with people like land and there's no one on the earth and they're like what the fuck is happening in these horribly dated cgi pac-man are like eating the world and lo- they're like we got to figure this out three hours later they figure it out but one of the main issues is bronson pinchot and he's like losing his fucking mind really fucking good he's
1: really good in that so yeah and he does and, th- and like i said you wouldn't think Balky would be great in a tony scott quentin tarantino movie but he really is he plays this part because he's pretty much just this your typical la guy who's not making it but he's probably going to one day be like a producer or something like that who wears the pleated slacks and has his sweater tied around his neck and just bull just absolute you know just douche type of guy he's really great in it like the part where he's there's a part where he uh, clarence has the gun to his head Because he because it's the drug deal that's going that's going down and he's like, you know, trying to get information out of him. Like is he set up all that stuff? And Bronson just he kills it. I mean, he 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 turns into a little bitch, but he absolutely does a really good job in that moment. And that's well, that's what I'm wanting. Like all the other stuff, there's not much acting going on there that that's really kind of that's his scene for Elliot. That's Elliot's scene, all the other stuff is kind of just whatever so I'm I'm wanting that And in our you know six degrees of Kevin Bacon type of sorry you just cast it Ryan Hurst we talked about Bates motel. I'm going with Freddie Highmore in this point in this role and oh, uh, Freddie like Highmore that. played the Norman Bates character in Bates motel. he's on the Good Doctor right now which, I watched the first two seasons and he's so great on there. He plays um, an autistic surgeon who has to battle this. He's like the most brilliant surgeon of all time, but he has to battle this, you know, this uphill battle because he's autistic and nobody wants him to deal with the patients and all that type of stuff that, that comes with that. So it's kind of, he's breaking these barriers and all that. And then, of course, like most network shows, it gets too full of itself, and I'm not going to get into that. But he's really great in it, and he's always been pretty tough, and I are a pretty solid little actor. I think you know he. If you were going to recast, freaking Norman Bates, Freddie Highmore is the person that you would get, and he's absolutely great as that. So I want somebody in this role who can look like your typical L.A you assume to be studio producer douche nozzle but have that breakdown and feel like he's about to piss himself piss himself in the elevator with a gun to his head and freddie highmore would do that easily he he's you know you watch the good doctor and he freaks out on there sometimes he just he, he certain actors just can freak out really well and have that breakdown moment and he he can do that
0: what i mean you're also picking a tv actor to play a tv actor like cuz yeah. bronson famously right. came from perfect Str- strangers right. i mean but freddie highmore was like a huge movie star before he yeah. went to tv like he worked with johnny depp multiple times with that terrible it's not his fault but terrible Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and i think he's really fucking good in finding neverland but he i'm not going through his whole, whole filmography yeah. but he had like hit after hit after hit And then he's like, I'm going to play Bates in a show. And then he's doing The Good Doctor, which I haven't seen. But I mean, it's been on since 2017. So people are watching it. I think he's making the right decisions because the people who are watching movies might not be watching the shit he's done. So it would be like a really fun return. Like, oh, it's fucking Freddie Highmore. I haven't seen him in forever because I haven't looked- seen
1: him since the Sp- the Spiderwick Chronicles or yeah, like fucking- August August Rush, Arthur and the Invisibles. I mean, he's he was like in every big kid movies in the two thousands.
0: And they were, I mean, they weren't bad. Like no. Spiderwick Chronicles was fine. I liked August Rush. I thought it was an interesting take on Oliver Twist. But I mean, I saw a little bit of Bates Motel. I watched the first two seasons of that, but I forget about him. So it would be nice to see. I be like, and I'm picturing him with the like him accidentally sneezing or whatever it is where the the coke gets all over him.
1: (laughs) Oh, or he's in there with he's like with basically just like some blonde bimbo that he's probably talking like, hey, I'll get you in. I'll get you into this movie if you sleep with me. And they're driving and they get pulled over. But they have the the bag of coke and she like hits it out of his hand and, and knocks it into his face. Yeah.
0: It's that 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 deadpan cop you know, he just looks at the cops and he's like, Well, <laughs> like what I don't you got me. Yep. Um well that's where I'm going is I'm sticking very close to Coke head douchebag that you can't help but love. I'm finally using them. Are you ready? Drum roll, because I've oh. been fucking waiting. Michael fucking Sarah. I've been waiting this entire fucking I show. I was so
1: close myself. <laughs> I had I'm like, but no, I'm going to save him for something else. But I was this close.
0: I think if I use him in a big role because I, I for some reason people don't like Michael Sarah. I don't get it. I will never get it. Like I kind of get crash the movie. Like I get why people don't like it because it's so up its own ass with its own fucking message. I get it. Michael Cera is one of the best young actors of his generation. He is so fucking likable. Like, after Superbad and fucking This is the End, how is everyone not casting him in everything? He is so goddamn funny in those movies, and especially um, Youth and Revolt. That motherfucker is so goddamn good. And I just want to see him tap back into that fucking, that co I I mean, yeah, it's kind of typecasting because that's one of his better roles is that fucking, that, um, over the top caricature of himself and this is the end where he plays like the drug you like it's the polar opposite of what he really is but i think that's what he needs to start doing so people will finally warm up to michael Sarah. yeah i gotta get i gotta get him in this i gotta get him as fucking and i i'm picturing him like on his knees like yes fucking crying like <laughs> I'll suck your dick like anything. Yeah. To get oh, no.
1: it. because he's pretty much just kind of your your blandest of bland person on both ends of the. I mean, he starts getting like up until, up until he's in the hotel room with the cops and they're wiring him up. And that's when he starts to break a little bit, and you could see that nervous energy. Like Michael Sarah would be perfect for that nervous energy. Because he—that's what he—that's what he thrives on, and then then there would be that where he he breaks down, and then after that, it's just like the absolute you know cold sweats after you know <laughs> once he gets up there because it's it's live and all that kind of stuff, and um freaking Elliot uh, Bronson is sweating so much in that, but yeah no that's a, that's a great bit I love well, I love Michael Sarah should he have been Clarence I don't know. Maybe. No, no, I don't think he's okay. I, he's not cool enough to be Clarence
0: But that's the thing yeah. is Clarence shouldn't be cool So I think if you cast Michael Sarah, Because Scott Pilgrim isn't cool at all And he's kind of an, an Annoying, unlikable dick But you can't help but like him And I think No, Michael Cera is not no, cool but I, if you I cast,
1: think I think Clarence is supposed to be Cool to the nerds Like the people who see like they would see themselves in that role i don't think with michael Sarah, you see yourself as michael Sarah in the nerd this role is, you know yeah, what i mean
0: this is true There's that's no what one, i that's what i think like no christian slater identifies as michael Sarah. yeah
1: and i i think christian slater is that perfect kind of melding pot of mm. he's a nerd but I, I could see myself like i don't want to be brad pitt nerd i i would be that nerd you know realistic nerd so
0: i'm also michael sir has to have a mustache
1: <laughs> of course i'm just
0: throwing that out there like well, he would yeah to, he
1: would today yeah he,
0: he has to have like a really bad producer mustache like i'm going full out i'm like i i need you i need you michael sir you're, you're gonna carry this movie on your back you, you're doing it i've been fucking waiting so i know i
1: know and i almost and i almost picked him because of who i picked for my lee donowitz character <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. oh <laughs> and... we're, we're gonna get to him <laughs> i have to, i have changed him every 10 minutes for a month <laughs> i just can't because every actor i'm like oh i like him i like him
1: yeah i like him now nah, this one popped in my head and it just stuck but so lee donowitz is played by saul eh, I it's hard He's one of those guys that if you don't know him, you it's hard to say, oh, what, you know, he was in this cuz you're still probably like who? Cuz he's probably like if there was like a bit player Jewish guy in the 90s, it was Saul Rubinek <laughs> on TV or something. Well, they he, use
0: him as I mean, you've watched, you've listened to more episodes, so you could probably tell me, the Saul Rubinek Award on the Rewatchables podcast, why is that named after him?
1: Because of the overacting
0: oh they think he's overacting in this i mean he is but it's... yeah
1: yeah it's like yeah it's like who's like giving it all like the over like not like bad like who's giving it their all like just going 100 miles per hour every time they're on and like that whole um that uh you stabbed me in the heart like that <laughs> like that's what they reference a lot and all that. And I think they've okay. changed that now it's Just it's something different. I can't remember what it is, but the Saul Rubinek Award was for a while. But just to say, for if you're looking out for the Saul Rubinek, like he, Warehouse 13, I mean, he's a lot of TV. Warehouse 13, Frazier, He was also in Wall Street, Unforgiven. I mean, he's he's got like 168 credits. So. If
0: you don't know him from this, you probably don't
1: right like he, he's this is in this his most famous. Yeah. This, this or
0: Unforgiven,
1: yeah. I think, are the two. Yeah. And not, and I don't, and I think more people. Unforgiven's good, but I don't. I think probably more people have seen this than they. have I mean, probably seen Unforgiven.
0: You can cut this out, but is Unforgiven on our list to do?
1: It probably will be someday.
0: Okay. That's a
1: fucking good movie. We gotta yeah. guess. Unforgiven. Okay, go yeah. ahead. All right.
0: Who's your so, Sal over actor award?
1: uh it is so kind of like i said one reason why i wanted michael sarah there and i wanted him there but i also didn't do it because it was almost as i went with jonah hill
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you see
1: jonah hill doing this role
0: yes and that's why i'm I'm, there's a movie i'm specifically saving him for because i'm trying not to reuse (laughs) any actors but i'm like yeah, I thought about him for this, and I think yeah, it spe- specifically Wolf of Wall Street Jonah Hill or that type of or yeah uh, War Dogs like any Jonah Hill of like later two thousand tens. Yeah, this is yeah
1: yeah because Lee Lee Donowitz and Saul and Saul Rubinick does a really like he plays he's the high powered wheeling and dealing, you know. I don't remember people's names. I don't tip. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I am, he's like Harvey Weinstein of the, of, of that time of that, you know, that type of thing. I know that, you know, that, that name's not supposed to be said, but that's, I mean, if you're going to think of that's somebody that's, probably, that's Lee, yeah. yeah, that's Lee Donowitz and I can just see Jonah Hill just absolutely killing. It. And that's why I was like, man, if I'd have got Michael Sarah to be, the, it would have been funny, but I think it would have been too much and for both of them being to be in the movie i think it it would have probably been distracting and i didn't want that and i do want to save michael sarah for something different so i i was like but and then freddie i could just see him just yelling at freddie highmore just you know like just talking to him like he's a he's a piece of shit that kind of stuff and jonah hill just and he would deliver all of the because there's parts where lee is you know, he's kind of the charming wheeler wheeling and dealing guy right before he's getting to know Clarence and he was walking in there and telling Boris, you know, stop talking, you know, it's like, it's fine, we're good, all that kind of stuff. And then it just absolutely turns on a dime where he just start when he figures out that Elliot turned on him and it's just like, you little prick, <laughs> <laughs> I can just see Johnny Hill doing that and being really great at it. So. Uh, that's my that's my pick for lee donowitz
0: i can't i really want to tell you who i'm saving them for but let's just say <laughs> the movie has been mentioned in this episode that's uh, not that's going to give you a clue but we've also mentioned like about 20, 17, 20 17, <laughs> um because I, your I love the movie cheap thrills so much the 2013 movie every single one of those actors i thought of for lee david Keckner, pat healy and ethan embry I, I was like, especially David Koechner, because I, I like his uh, energy. If you know who he is, the Anchorman movies. But then uh, I, I didn't pick any of those. Then I was thinking Paul F. Tompkins, the fucking comedian with the gapness teeth and the bow tie. You, you know him from, he's the voice in BoJack Horseman and shit. Then James Urbaniak popped into my head, like a, a million actors. And I almost went with Mark Marin. But I'm like, he, <laughs> he already, he's kind of doing that yeah. already. And I'm like, I think that's perfect casting because I could kind of see that. Yeah. But I'm like, that's his character in Glow and I would just be recasting him in Glow. And I kind of want to see him do other shit because I do think he's got enough talent that I think he can start building on the talent and I think going backwards. Like, I think he would have been more interesting as like one of the cops or some shit if I was going to pick him. So I was like, all right, douchebag producer, cokehead, over the top. Well somebody that would hit all three of those things, Dennis Leary.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So, I mean, I also, I, this is the things I lasered in on. Not the fact that he was a producer, but the producer of Coming Home in a Body Bad, too. <laughs> It's like, who would produce that movie? And I was like, all right, would David Keckner produce that? Would Jonah Hill produce? Like, I was thinking of, like, all the actors. I'm like, Dennis Leary would absolutely produce coming home in a pot bag soon. And
1: and but you know, and have this air of arrogance that he did that. Like he knows it's no. everybody knows it's crap, but he, to him it's I it's Citizen Kane. It's you know, this great movie. <laughs>
0: no. Clarence is like the only person who loves it. Yeah. Like when he says, "Oh, I love that movie." He's the only one.
1: He's the <laughs> only one.
0: There's no one else that loves this fucking movie, but yeah, Dennis Leary. And y- you can let him fucking riff cuz that's what he tends to do. He can riff a little bit, but Yeah, you can give him
1: I mean, out of his three scenes, you can give him one scene to let him riff.
0: And I, not like Demolition Man where he stops the movie fucking <laughs> yeah. dead to do
1: to do his comedy bit, yeah.
0: Oh god, I hated that fucking early 90s Dennis Leary shit, but I like later Dennis Larry shit like rescue me I think he's really fucking good in that really good so and I like him when he's like popping up in a little shit like I, I don't like the amazing, amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man. yeah I don't like those movies but I think he's really fucking good in that movie so
1: when he's contained yeah and then when he's contained and allowed to go a little bit
0: mm-hmm. where
1: he doesn't derail the movie like you said yeah he, he could be really good
0: the best example of this is probably the ref where he still has that fucking Dennis Leary, goddamn, shut the fuck up energy. Yeah, but it's like it—it it serves that. Character. He for the longest time he was my Deadpool. Like I know Ryan Reynolds is perfectly cast, <laughs> but yeah. Dennis Leary—if if he's the merc with the mouth, you want him to shut the fuck up dennis leary yeah in
1: the 90s he would have been perfect yeah Yeah.
0: you you get fucking like ray park in the suit and dennis leary's voice that's that's deadpool like he never shuts the fuck up but i think he's doing like really interesting work now and i mean he's not a movie star so you're not going to put him in like a big role but i i would like to see him do something interesting
1: yeah he's a bit he's one of those good role role player characters so no i definitely see that he was really, I don't know if you watched Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, absolutely but he was did. really good on there. Yeah, he was really, I really liked I, him on there.
0: It was kind of bummed that it, it got canceled.
1: Or I was too. Um, God, the girl that's on there. I just lost her name. Lily, is, is it Gillies? Something like that. The His daughter, Elizabeth oh, Gillies. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, she. Yeah. I, I really like her too. She's really good. I've got. Uh, she's one of those that's on my list that I'll put her in something eventually. So oh, good pick. All right. So on to our. We're doing Clifford. So this is the Dennis Hopper. This is the dad character. I'm probably gonna give. I probably you you'll probably figure out who my Clarence is once I say who this is, but I like the thing that we really appreciate about quentin tarantino is his ability to bring kind of past even even past almost not not irrelevant like in a bad way but past actors that had their either had their moment or never really had their moment but were right there and they had a cult following or people of their movies loved them. You know, like Robert Forster's, I, I think is a great kind of example. Like he's, he's not somebody that everybody loves. He's not somebody and he was never the guy. He was never a, you know, the, the top of the name and all that, but he, he's, but he's one of those that if you love him and he popped up in a movie like Jackie Brown, you're like, okay, I, I really like you, what you're doing there. Quentin Tarantino, that type of thing. Michael Parson
0: from uh, from Dust Dawn is another example.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, so there's there's always there he 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 does that with every single movie. You're at at a certain point with Quentin Tarantino, you're just like, who's going to be in his movie that I'm going to be like, I know this guy from this movie or this girl from this movie sixteen years ago, that type of thing. So I kind of wanted that vibe, and I think that. I think he would be a great father to my Clarence, and I and I always enjoyed him from the 80s and early 90s. And I went with Mario Van Peebles.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know him I, from. I'm
0: kind of guessing where your Clarence is. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, yeah. Because as soon as I say who my Clarence is, you're like, oh yeah, I could see him being, hit, you know, Mario Van Peoples as the dad. But Heartbreaker Ridge, I've always loved him as Stitch Jones from Heartbreaker Ridge with um, Clint Eastwood. That was the kind of the movie that I think introduced me to Mario Van Peoples. I just like his just kind of he's got a really great personality and all that. But he's he was never the greatest actor. He was I mean, he was really good in New Jack City um, and the, a lot of a lot of other things. But he he went, he's, he's a decent director. He's done some, a lot of the stuff, but I think I could see him being, you know, in that kind of role of let's bring him back. Let, if you get, if you gave him something with some meat, you know, with the experience that he has now, give him, give him that, sit him, sit him down in a chair, let him do some, some acting. And I think that's the only, to have a black
0: I was going to say that's, Man, that's how you're going to get the best that. way to be able to do the
1: Sicilian speech would be able to do that. So I was like, I got to go with, I got to go with a black guy here, black actor. And I think he, and him delivering that speech would be really, cause he's done, he's always been for, you know he does a lot of black i mean like badass ass is you know like a black exploitation type movie and you know he's done a lot of that type Have you of seen stuff it's i've i haven't seen the whole thing but i've seen parts of it
0: well that's him playing his father in a movie melvin Peoples. oh is it yeah it's about the making of sweet Sweetback's badass song that's because... what it
1: yeah that's as like yeah i mean I knew it was something that. around
0: that yeah he plays yeah he plays his own he plays his father's son in that and then he (laughs) ends up playing his own father and it's a very weird convoluted mess of a thing but it's a really good movie and And he's
1: really good he's a really good malcolm x and ali yeah in 2001 and stuff so i just i think that he's when he's given the right stuff he he can do really he can do really good and I I I wouldn't mind seeing him have a little bit of a comeback on the main stage. As oh, well.
0: absolutely! I'm also gonna throw some love. Not a very good movie, and it's not the, the best example of his. If you want to see like new, go see New Jack City or something or Heartbreak yeah. Ridge. If you want to see something good from Melvin, this isn't great, but it's very fun and it's full eclipse from 1993. Yeah. It it should might as well just be called Werewolf Cops, because that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking stupid fun. And it's he's well people's menu. The thing you can say about him is it's very rare for him to phone in a performance. Yeah. He always gives every and he's done a lot of shitty movies, but he gives everything a hundred percent and I, I. It's funny that we both kind of got there. I'm like, I didn't pick a black actor, but I seriously considered <laughs> it because I'm like, there's not many. Actors. I really
1: want to keep that. Like, spe- you know, with remakes, I get you. You don't want ever anything exactly the same and all that. I think him delivering that same exact speech, almost word for word, would be the one time where it would be fitting. Would work. Still have the same impact.
0: Yeah, but it would have, have more, to be delivered
1: by a, i think it would have to yeah it would have to be delivered by a black person yeah
0: and it would have more because he's saying hey this is what i did to you
1: yeah. my people did this to you right i did this to your uh, great-great-grandma my um, great-great-grandfather did it to your great-great-great-grandmother
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so yeah he could take back to i'm pretty sure i know your claims but i'm sure you do um I was focusing more on the titans of the big villain actors going yeah. head to head and playing against type, even though that was never his type, but it is now because that's what everyone associates him with. I'm talking around it, but Brian Cranston, you know him as Breaking Bad. He was the big villain of that. Yeah. But before that, he played the, fa- the father in Malcolm in the Middle. So he can do both, but he's not a bad guy in this. But he also has proven in Breaking Bad that he's willing to do anything. So he will do the Sicilian speech. He does not give a shit, <laughs> and he can sell it. I am I wasting Bryan Cranston in this? I mean, there's other movies I could probably no. Find, but it's he. It's the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. And I need one of the best actors working today. I think I have said this a million times, and I will never not stop saying it. His performance in Breaking Bad is the best performance I've ever seen in anything ever. Like that entire run from beginning to end,
1: the transformation, the arc, there there's not too many actors that could handle where he started off in episode 1 as this goofy science teacher, chemistry teacher, the husband, you know, the typical white straight goofy Dad that wears the white, you know, New Balance dad shoes and, you know, the jorts and that type of guy to where he ended up at the very last. I mean, like, there's not too many actors that could touch that. So I completely agree. In the beginning of
0: the first episode, he is lucky to get a hand job from his wife on his birthday. Two years later, because that's how long that show goes, even though it was on for five years. Everything that happens in that show happens in two years. He's a fucking kingpin who is responsible for thousands of deaths. Hundreds of thousands, if you consider that fucking airplane crash. But but thousands of deaths. So, and, ad-
1: and how many addictions and all and, you know, yeah. I mean, all the just world sp- spread worldwide,
0: <laughs> but it's it's more than just the character work, which is amazing. Yeah, it's spoiler alert if you haven't watched the show. Well, I'm not even gonna say it. There's a specific character who dies, and his breakdown when that happens, and then he turns on another character. I'm trying mm-hmm. to I'm skating around some shit because I don't yeah. want to ruin it for anybody. A character dies and then he immediately turns on a character, but that, like you can hear, like the last gasp of like humanity, like leave his body, right? Like it's it's everything to him. Like it it's again. I have never seen a performance, and I've watched yeah. the shows. I think Michael Chiklis is amazing in The Shield. I love Sopranos. I love Boardwalk. I've seen almost all of the great TV shows. I still haven't seen The Wire. I mean, I've seen the first season of The Wire, but I haven't watched all of that. But I've seen all the great TV shows, I've seen a lot of great movies. Mm-hmm. Brian Cranston in that goddamn show. So if I need somebody that I mean, he's not a Dennis Hopper, but I think he's better than Dennis Hopper. So and he's I mean, if Dennis Hopper is one of the all-time great villains for Frank Booth, I think Brian Cranston's up there as one of the all-time great villains is Heisenberg. So and I need him to go up against my Vincenzo and not shrink. Is my Vincenzo's a dude. So, and I, but I also want him to be the dad that we all love from out. Yeah. Cause I. you have to have that. That's, yeah.
1: that's one of the best things about the Dennis Hopper. Cause you feel like he's, he's a dad that's not a, he's not a good dad at all. Like when you see it, he's just, you can tell he's this guy that's in a living in a single wide, you know, like I said, X um alcohol or recovering alcoholic uh doing the best he can probably whatever left his mom all that stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. so he's not a good dad but in the moment he needs to be a dad in this moment you have to have somebody that's believable
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you can definitely see that from him
0: i mean that's his character right now on the show your honor that's basically what his character is is a dad I mean, he's always been a good dad, but he's he's a dad that's put in a position where he has to be like the best dad, and I'll I'll let you figure out what that means if you watch that show. But it's, I mean, I don't really have to sell. It's Brian Cranston. Now,
1: right, exactly. So, all right, on to our Vincenzo Concati. I, I can't remember. I think that's how you say his last name, Christopher. It's Christopher Walken. I mean, he's we talked about him quite a bit. Just throw out a few of his. If his movies, The Deer Hunter, Dead Zone, just you know, some of some of his some of his earlier works, go check them out. I got a fever. The only prescription is I was going to do a Christopher Walken, but oh, I, I, I don't. Could, I, oh, the only prescription is more cowbell.
0: Cowbell, oh.
1: cowbell. Oh, you got to do a Christopher Walken
0: yeah do it he hates that by the way he hates the cowbell shit
1: (laughs) but it's so great
0: he's it's the the best skit ever and he's like i'm can can we is that what
1: made him become christopher walken
0: that's probably when he started leaning in yeah
1: yeah because that feels because it's like it's not my pulp fiction time it was a a little bit after that because i want to say what was that 95 96 when that skit came out something like that or late um, 90s maybe uh, a little little bit
0: later later because he had hosted saturday night live probably four or five times before then because he was one of the famous guys like alec baldwin and tom hanks and him were like in the upper echelon of like the five timers club because they kept bringing him back like the, the the skit before that that killed me was he was like this fucking botanist that put googly eyes on every plant because he didn't trust them. He's like, now I can trust them. I didn't trust them before because I can't. They have no eyes, and he just has like googly eyes on all the fucking plants. It's the dumbest fucking skit. But he's like, now I can trust them. <laughs> it's the dumbest <laughs> shit. But yeah, I think after that's that, he's like, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. I'm just, I might as well just Be
1: that guy, yeah. So all right, um, and I ain't mad so, about it. It's, it's no, the best. No. Pacinto, he's 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 a big he's the big bad, like you said. He's you know the Don and all that. So he basically he's in for this one scene, this one incredible scene, and you need somebody that kind of delivers that and carries the weight uh, of all that. And I again, this is another guy I'd like to see. I you know he's he's doing some really he's kind of getting back into it. You know, doing some really good stuff. I just. I love him and i i think he he's got the charisma and the weight to kind of do that and then you know i probably you know i really like the i think the, the the best thing that i love that christopher walken does after kind of the end is like when after he spoiler alert kills the uh the dennis hopper character he's like i haven't killed anybody in since 1984 <laughs> you know just kind of like that I uh, like, okay, I love that. So I, I kind of this, what I want from this one, the only thing I would change is I think more of the anger. Like it's like, ah, I'm sitting here laughing and going on, carrying on with this. And then probably, and probably even kills him like with his hands as opposed to just shooting him and then being like, hey, I haven't killed anybody since whatever, you know. And uh, so I went with the great Ray Liotta
0: oh i'm saving him for something too i the way you were setting it up i thought you were going with albert brooks because he plays that similar oh yeah drive and i was like what fucking serendipity your character killed my character <laughs> um no ray Liotta is he, he's i'm it bugs me that he's only been cops and gangsters for like forever because right. i think he could do more than that but god damn is he really good at playing cops and gangsters like it's I mean, everyone thinks that he Yeah, he's I mean he's stereotyped for a specific thing, but if you look go back to Goodfellas, he's so fucking good in that movie or something wild. He is so goddamn good. Narc. That Narc. That's like the last time where I was like, This motherfucker. Cause he like gained some weight for that. So he's, he's he's yeah, built like a
1: well, like I and I, you know, uh he was the, the lawyer in marriage story. Mm -hmm. and i I mean i'm like oh god he was he was great in that and and so i i think he's he's kind of moved away from doing his typecasting thing so i'm like you know he's did you you
0: watch that fast times at ridgemont high table read thing no i did two years ago or whatever No, when shia labeouf played spicoli he played mr hand which is the principal which yeah is interesting casting and i'm like i watched it with my ex-girlfriend and she's like he's bloated i'm like he's old leave him alone yeah. <laughs> i kind of got mad at. Her. i was like get out of here you don't even fucking get yeah. out of here but I, I i like that he's like yeah i forgot he was a marriage story because all i think about is adam driver in that movie he, he's yeah even though scott johansson's so good like adam driver's just punching that wall because i've seen that scene probably 500 times because i just god damn i'm so mad that he lost the oscar oh <laughs> so good walking phoenix is very good
1: but god yeah damn. yeah It is so good any other year he probably wins but, oh, but- yeah no Ray really go check out you know if you've seen goodfellas narc you know he's just you know a marriage story you know he's just um i uh ah, man what there was another movie i had on tip my tongue I want to Hannibal? say late '90s. Oh he's, oh, he's really good. He's really good in Hannibal. Smoking Aces, too. Um... The
0: one where he's on the island. Like, what is that called?
1: No. Oh, oh well, I know Copland is another one. He's really Ooh, good. At. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, one, That's God one we'll damn, get to. Good.
0: When are we That's doing one Cop we'll
1: Land? get to. it'll be it'll be a while because it's another big cast. Yeah, <laughs> with Michael Rappaport in it yeah. too. Oh my God! Oh, I'm so, so,
0: I'm I'm waiting. I'm chomping at the bit for that. But, what, is it? Right. No Escape. I think it's called. There's a forgettable yeah, there's action a, there's movie a bit he's, like he's in. That.
1: Unlawful Entry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I was thinking. That's the one with uh, Kurt Russell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was early two th- or early nineteen ninety. So, mm-hmm. all right, who's your yeah, uh, Vicenzio?
0: well because mine is so obvious i thought we had we both had it but ray Leota is he can fucking out intimidate anyone he's oh yeah severely underrated mine's not severely underrated at all because he's in this fucking movie already i gotta go gary oldman it's (laughs) i I gotta go gary oldman it's fucking vincenzo to me i'm like i who else can i put up against brian cranston the fucking king of the villains right now it's gary oldman he can do anything and I'm like I need someone who can believably play an Italian villain because I don't honestly know Gary Oldman's heritage, his ancestry. I
1: know he's he's English, but
0: yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I can buy him as an Italian. Here's the thing, Gary Oldman—he
1: can do anything. He
0: literally can do anything. He's the best actor working today. Now that he can play
1: a black pimp,
0: (laughs) if you put him in blackface, I don't (laughs) give—I don't give a shit. Like that's the way to get around that bit of fucking Drexel shit is put Gary Oldman in that face. I <laughs> no, I, I thought it was so fucking obvious, but I I would understand completely if you're saving him for something else because oh, why yeah. would you not? He's uh, he's like a Tom Hardy or an Anton Yeltsin or, uh, or unfortunately an Anton Yeltsin yeah. or a Bill Paxton, but I want to put him in every goddamn movie we've done so far because I love him. I, I don't do not know why he's not like a director's dude you know what i mean like yeah tony scott has his denzel washington or head so um samuel jackson works with tarantino bill murray works with Wes anderson i don't know why there's not a director that's like i gotta put Wes. i mean you
1: know like like nolan i know he was in the all the dark nights Mm -hmm. but but that was well, it know. like
0: he wasn't in dunkirk or, or yeah he could have been in
1: any any of those tenant i mean any of those he could have been the the kenneth brana character in tenant you know
0: yeah and he would have been just as good or yeah i, I mean or better because kenneth brana is doing what is he doing in that russian what the fuck is he in that I movie i have no idea that is just james bond we'll never get a james bond because he's like i'm just gonna keep doing james bond without calling it james bond and here you go and i'm like just do james bond goddamn it will you stop (laughs) just stop stop it just do james bond but it's gary oldman you've seen him in every goddamn thing he's in the true romance let's i don't i'm not a fan of those like let's do it again wink wink aren't we having fun but i'm like you can't tell who is this generation's christopher walken if it's not gary oldman so
1: right and i and i'm i'm fine with it because i've done that a couple of times with some of our our movies is bring back somebody from it to have them do something different. And I thought about that, but I was just like, yeah, I, I want to save him for something different. I also, I'm like, there's not other there. What else am I going to put L'Reilly And I can put L'Reilly in somewhere. He's a good enough actor, but I think, you know what? I, I really could see him and Mario van peoples going at it and, and just sitting in front of each other and all that. And Mario Van Peebles just playing as cool as can be. And Ray Leota just sitting there with that smile and, you know, just that devilish smile that he has. And then just going bonkers on Mario Van Peebles um, at the end and all that. But no, Gary Oldman. I mean, I put him, make him Clarence for all, like, make him Alabama. He can do it. He's mm-hmm. such a great actor. I, he can do it all.
0: Well, I, that's the thing about the show is that sometimes. We're not just recasting one movie. We do have to think about movies ahead of time, which is sometimes unfair to the movie that we're doing because I'm like, oh, I don't want to use this actor or this actor. But it also helps you think, not outside of the box, but it's like there's a million actors out there, you know? And I'm not using Ray Liotta because we also do, if our, I guess, our shameless plug for Patreon, if you're not listening to that, we do retrocasts where we take movies from today and throw them into the way back machine like we've done justice League in 1995 we've done some other ones well, i'm not going to reveal but let's just say i'm waiting for ray leota for that one let's just say th- <laughs> Kane has given me a lot of fucking movies ahead of time and i'm just
1: waiting I'm just waiting. Just homework just homework just homework so <laughs> all right on to dick ritchie which is played by michael Rappaport.
0: and this is where sailor is going to take over the podcast i cannot stand michael Rappaport. not at all not even a little bit there's very few actors that i will go out of my way to avoid like if it i wouldn't piss down his throat if his heart was on fire that's how much i cannot stand michael Rappaport as a person but having said that it's really fucking good in this movie
1: it really is because he's like the perfect person for that, for the role that he is in, I mean, that's just because he's that. He's pretty much that guy. Like yeah. that's it's Michael is not acting.
0: Mm. Like he never. Acts. In, Don't get me wrong. He Copland, never acts. He's really fucking good, and yeah. So I mean, I re- I would love for this to be the time for me to shit on Michael Rapperport because I fucking hate him so much, but I can't because he's really fucking good in this movie.
1: So. And he was in so many movies that I like from the nineties. Like I love True Romance. I mean, he's good in it, but I just like I I, lo- I like Higher Learning. It's not a great movie, but I always like Higher Learning. And I mean, you know, he and then he's another you know skinhead and Basketball Diaries. What was another? There was another movie. I keep thinking. I keep picturing him. Kiss of Death. Like. I, it's not a great movie, but I love that. I love that movie for some weird reason. That's it's just one of my movies. That'd probably be one we'll recast it. Yeah,
0: because that's so, I got. I, I got thoughts on that
1: one. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I enjoy it. And then Copland, and just mm. you just keep going. But kind of goes back to what I was talking about. The, Michael Rappaport is one of the worst actors. <laughs> I mean, he is. But you know his name. You know who he is, especially from the 90s. Maybe not today. I mean, if people know him from the day, it's just because of his idiot Twitter rants and stuff like that and whatnot, being political, blah, blah, blah. But from the 90s, if you watched any movie or any TV, you knew who this fool was. And he he, he wasn't. He's not good looking. Like, again, it's not, he's not good looking. He's, you know, but he has an aura or an energy about him that makes him memorable. Plan f- for when good. When you worth.
0: cast him correctly, he is fucking fantastic. And he, I, I really want to shit on him because I cannot stand him. Of yeah. every movie we have recast, he is by far the worst actor of any movie. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger is fucking Shakespeare compared to Michael Rappaport. <laughs> like I think he is garbage, but he's a really good Dick Ritchie. He's a really, he's, he's really good.
1: yeah. Cause he's not acting. I mean, it's no. some of the best things is either you, you either are a character actor, like Gary Ullman and Drexel Spivey, or you're just not acting and you're kind of being yourself. Like, I mean, like both Chris, like Christopher Walken and uh, Dennis Hopper are kind of playing themselves. And, but just tweaked enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and th- there's other times where they're, you know, character acting, but the, sometimes that's the best thing you can do is just kind of be yourself in a role. Now, you can't do it every time because then, it, you know, then you're Michael Rappaport and everything, which, you know, it's he's Michael Rappaport and Hitch, you know, that type of stuff. And, but, but that's it. That's perfect because he's a struggling actor who's not good, who's not going to get, you know, who he gets the part, but he shouldn't because he's awful in that uh, freaking audition that kind what, of stuff so. when
0: he crashes that car you're gonna tell me you didn't buy it? <laughs> you didn't <Yeah>. just... <laughs> he yeah. makes me like that character in spite of the fact that i cannot stand yeah. so uh, that's uh, it might be the best performance in the fucking movie because somehow right. he does it because again there are like five actors and i'm not going to name them and it's not who you think it is it's because we make jokes about certain people it, they have not come up on the show and it, they're weird tina leone is one of them i don't know why i can't fucking stand her oh yeah i, I will avoid movies because she's in it and thankfully she's not in a lot of movies so it's not hard for me to do that but uh, or Ed, meryl um, streep oh god damn it
1: <laughs> I will, i've avoided every movie of her
0: no she's fucking dingo ain't my baby um edward burns can't stand him can't mm. fucking stand him and I, it's like i don't even know why like I know nothing about that dude. It's just like yep. I want to Everybody punch. Everybody's got you. those certain actors, and I guess that's I guess that's maybe why people can't stand Michael Cera. He's got that face you want to punch because that's right. how I feel about a couple other actors. But yeah. I might I might yeah. cast them because for that effect. But but let's get into Michael Ritchie, or Michael Ritchie Michael Rappaport playing
1: Dick Richie.
0: Dick Ritchie. He's a dick. Who <laughs> you got? So you're
1: right. Yeah. So I went. So in this, I think Michael Rapport is like 23 or 24 at the time. He's extremely young. I'm going a little bit older with my my cast on, on some of these on the, some of these parts on this one. I'm going with somebody who's kind of mid. I think he's like mid to late 30s. So because I think the way this part works is you're either too young, you're too young and dumb to understand that maybe you shouldn't be selling this much coke, like you shouldn't be getting involved with this. And, and that's you know, Dick Richie's like he's 23 years old, and he's like, Well, you know, I could do this and make some money or whatever, help out a friend, blah blah blah. Or you go a little bit older, like he's a jaded actor who can't get work or whatnot, and he's like okay, well, since I can't get work, I'm going to do this and help out a friend and make some cash and maybe leave this life behind or start my own movie, whatever, do his own thing. So I went with a little bit older here. And um, somebody who, I, I, I like him. He doesn't have the same, like, I don't hate him, like Michael Rappaport type of thing, but I, he can play that kind of, you know, you know, type of actor that you're just like, yeah, I don't really like you or whatnot. And I went with uh, Dave, Jay Burchill
0: oh my god you, you started with the uh, syllable and i was like did we pick the same fucking actor um <laughs> i just watched him in something um his movie random acts of violence that he directed huge fan i've been a fan of his for a while he's part of the seth rogan james franco guys, yeah. or the judd apatow yeah. i guess guys um i love him in goon i think he's he's just an interesting presence to me i just yeah I, I think he's he would be perfect for this
1: yeah he's he's one of those that i don't he, i don't ever really think of him but then when i see him like you know i you know tropic thunder he he's not he he's just he is what he is in that and he does his role well and knocked up i you know i i like him playing himself in this is the end and you know, it's just I, I think he. I think he he's does the that. funniest and knocked up, and I, you're right. And but he's he's got that same type of Michael Rapaport vibe in that all he has to do is just kind of be himself mm-hmm. in this role, and it works. You know, type of thing. So, yeah, Jay Burchell
0: I when you said I'm going a little bit older. I honest to God, this is actually a shock to me because I did not know how old this actor is. He's 46 years old. I thought he was like maybe 32. Oh, wow.
1: and you may start I, looking at ages before you cast.
0: Because he looks so fucking young and you can't tell me he doesn't. I'm going right. David chin polka dot man did you know that motherfucker is 46 years old yes
1: yes because i've looked him up too <laughs> i lo- I thought about him as well
0: i love this motherfucker and he's been on my radar forever because of i mean dark knight but sushi girl super underrated i yeah. everything he's done I'm, I'm a fan of i loved him in prisoners. Man, loved him, prisoners but maybe oh, he's in
1: dune oh, he's in the upcoming dune nice yeah.
0: He's 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 doing it, man. And I'm fucking happy for him, but I had no yeah. fucking idea. Yeah, 46? he's one of those yeah, God he's one damn. of those guys
1: that you've you've seen and you've seen, and you're and then when he when he makes it, you're like, Yes. Like when I saw him in the Suicide Squad and that people were applauding like he was what people were talking about afterwards, kind of mm. I loved it. You know, I've seen him on so many, like you said, going back to Dark Knight, but you know, I've. I mean, I, he was on the Flash CW show. Seen him on there. He was in Gotham too. I think was it the Mad, I think it was the Mad Hatter on Gotham. Yeah, and you know he's on so much. He's one of those guys who just done done everything. But when he plays a weird role or whatnot, I could see that. Yeah, no, that's that's good.
0: He's. I mean, it's recency bias because yeah. Suicide Squad just came out, and he's arguably the best thing about it because he gives polka dot man one of the worst dc villains one of the absolute worst dc villains actual pathos like you feel bad for that guy because he fucking sucks and he's a fucking loser but somehow he makes it that's kind of dick richie to me like he's Mm -hmm. such a fucking loser and he's he, he never wins and he gets a little bit of a break and that break is like an extra in a movie and you're like yay he did it <laughs> like he's you're rooting for his like small victories and that's david de Smallton to me 46 years old goddamn found a youth motherfucker goddamn honestly god would have put him at like 33 <laughs> even yeah. though i it's i probably could have mapped it out because again dark night like even wendy's commercials back then like i've he is stuck to my brain forever because he just has a unique looking um yeah. presence i don't want to say unique looking face but he's he he's he has unconventional looks and i just love his acting style he's very good at playing fucking he has a crisp
1: and glover type but he's not
0: me. yes he's crispin glover but not off-putting like early no films, right yeah. crispin glover like friday the 13th yeah. uh dead fuck crispin glover where you're like i can't or back, back to the future i guess would be why did not i go friday the 13th not back <laughs> to Back the Future? jesus christ that tells you how much i love horror um that fucking not off-putting Weird, but not off-putting. Until he until he got weird and off-putting. But David Destonson can do that too because he's really good at playing Gotham villain or not Gotham villains um DC villains because he's played like seven of them now. Yeah, definitely. Forty-six. He could play Clarence's fucking father. Like, (laughs) god damn, I had no idea he was so young. I mean, old. That's crazy. I'm I'm casting him young. It's not like he's. I guess he could have been doing this for a while, but. I yeah. honestly God, thought he was in his early thirties.
1: <laughs> it's fucking wild. All right. On to Drexel Spivey played by the great Gary Oldman. We've already talked about him enough. We've covered him back on the uh, Lee on the professional episode. If you really want to hear us, you know, we've already gushed about him quite a bit. Say um, they recasted him already. And, uh, but just kind of throw out, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of his different movies. Um some that we probably haven't mentioned that I thought about. We haven't really talked about Sid and Nancy or State of Grace. I just do that. I just want to throw out there. If you've watched any other Gary Oldman, go watch a couple of those. All right. So Drexel's Spivey, It's Shia LaBeouf. I'm not even. I don't even have to explain I mean, myself.
0: His career is kind of dead.
1: I don't so. care. <laughs> I honestly don't care. And so that means he would do this because he would You're only enough. get.
0: You're, you're not wrong
1: he he would do he if he was going to make a comeback or if he wanted to get back he would have to take a role like this for two scenes and just you know but he would give all of it that he could i don't care about the cancel or whatever you know if if you don't like it you know turn off the podcast you know i mean all three, I, all three of you but even yeah.
0: though i've used them before you could find that on our first episode or like our no it's one of our one of our first episodes it was a patreon episode so yeah go go find go find it before that though he was not technically canceled <laughs> um now i i love shia labeouf but i i can't i personally can't put him in anything now can i see him as drexel absolutely yeah like it's i it's been so long that i probably could have used him by now because I think it's been more than twelve episodes, so, and we also you don't use the Patreon. Wait, yeah,
1: Patreon rules yeah. don't count. So I, I mean, the other, the only other one that kind of popped in my head, just because I, I think it's the like the obvious type of pick uh, would have been Jared Leto.
0: Well, the obvious pick to me, because I think if somebody right now doing all the best bonkers roles. I mean, you can't go Nicolas Cage. I mean, you could have done Nicolas Cage if you just removed Vincenzo and just not had Drexel die in the beginning and just, like, mm. have him haunt him with, like, no dick or some shit. Um, I guess you would have had, like, Nicolas Cage because he kind of wanted to do that in the Green Hornet movie. He wanted to be a Drexel type of villain. I'm going Robert Pattinson, baby. He's, oh. He's doing all the fucking... Can I see him do this role? Absolutely. He is
1: oh acting wise. Well, it's
0: not even like I want to see him do it, it's like would he do this without being afraid of getting canceled because this is this is not an easy role to do?
1: Yeah, you're not gonna be Batman (laughs) after this.
0: (laughs) No, you're not. And Robert Pattinson, God bless him, could not give less of a fuck about anything he does. It's and it's amazing if you don't know turn off the podcast if i have to explain who the fuck robert Panson is we will never have go- our baby
1: one of our baby boys baby
0: boys man he's right now probably the most interesting career in hollywood like i'm so interested to see what he's doing like what what is, what is he doing Bat- i know he's obviously he's doing batman but what, where's he gonna go after that like he he's one of those guys that's always gonna keep me guessing because he's not gonna do a rom-com so what, what is he gonna do and he's every single thing he's done within the last what would you say 10 years interesting not always uh, good.
1: since probably 2014 the rover
0: well i was going back to cosmopolis
1: oh okay yeah so 2012
0: I, I do think the rover is when i paid attention to him but i do yeah. i i do want to give david cronenberg the credit for being the first person to be like hey I'm going to cast him as not the Twilight dude. Yeah, I didn't like that movie, but I I can't say that he's not good in it and he's not giving an interesting performance. It's a movie that's building up to the last 20 minutes with him and Paul Giamatti and then that's when the movie really kicks into gear because the rest of it is just driving around in a fucking car. It's not the best, but I mean, that's apparently what the novel is. So, but it's Robert Pattinson. I, I want to see him in the dreads. I want to see him like, I know I'm pretty, but I ain't prettier than some titties. Like, I, it's just, <laughs> he's going to steal the movie until he doesn't. And then we're going to go on to other scene stealers. But I want to, like, in the back of your head, like, man, I miss, I miss Drexel. I miss yeah. Drexel. So, Robert Pattinson. No, nope. nope. baby boy. And well, that one means, of our
1: favorite baby boys.
0: That means he's crossed off my list. He's,
1: I, I know that's why i'm surprised i mean no it's a great pick but also i'm like yeah he's a he's the leading man type of yeah. thing too so but that's nope, why i'm using
0: him in, in this because i'm like yeah he could be the lead of like a thousand movies that you've pitched to us so
1: you're never going to use him again
0: i'm going to try it as long as i possibly can <laughs> unless there's a perfect movie that comes around
1: where i'm like i gotta use up a robert band like james bond
0: uh, would he
1: be James Bond after Batman?
0: No, because I, I, no, because he's too he's Batman.
1: So he would be. So you don't think he he would could be the next James Bond?
0: No, because I think he's too big. They they have never gone after a movie star. The biggest person they've ever gone after was Roger Moore because of the Saint.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
0: Like Sean Connery was nothing. Oh, we're not getting into this. We're not. It, getting would into give
1: me, this. it would get me to watch James Bond. Is all I'm saying all do you right think he to- will,
0: i mean it's too late you open up the scan of worms but do you think he would be a good james bond is my question to you.
1: yeah because i think he's going to be a great i think he's going to be a great i know they're not the same characters but i think he's going to be a great bruce wayne i mean he's going to be a great batman but i think he's going to be a great bruce wayne so he's going to have that debonair style about him and i think in tenet he's similar to a james bond type of character if anyone if
0: nolan's movie bombs which is about a bomb so it's gonna bomb there's the puns baby this is what you you're clicking on these podcasts for because he's Bring just it, gotta...
1: bringing you back after we got canceled <laughs> from sh- using shia labeouf
0: yeah the the bombing of a bomb movie um which is there's no way if he's doing a hundred million dollar movie about Robert j robert robert oppenheimer that ain't that movie ain't going to make no fucking money. So if Nolan made a bond movie and if he was if he could cast somebody, he's either going to go Tom Hardy or Robert Pattinson and I could see that. Yeah. Cuz he's definitely going to do a bond movie after this cuz it's going to flop and after this he doesn't have any more. Like the Batman movies were long enough where he's like I got to get a hit. Like Denis Villeneuve once doing flops is also going to be like um Th- they're also going to be fighting for Bond because Dune is not going to make money. It's not. It's just not. So he he's also. I don't care.
1: Just give it to me.
0: I know. I hey, I'm going to see it in theaters. Um, I'm I'm buying it on Blu-ray. I can't wait.
1: Yeah, I will do everything. I will see it in theaters and I will watch it on streaming because I did read something that it said that if it does well, especially on streaming, that they will definitely get a part two. So it's going to make money on HBO theaters. It's no. going to be like you know,
0: malignant malignant is dying in theaters but i know it's making fucking bank on hbo because yeah. everyone's seeing it on that so right. on to our claim oh no alabama no,
1: that's alabama, alabama played by patricia arquette we talked about her she's really good in this she's not one of my favorite actors uh, at all um, she's not somebody that i go and watch and all that but i i, I think that she's good in certain parts that she's one of those that just needs to be in the right part that type of thing i don't think she's the the best actress in the world but she's so bubbly so infectious here and
0: i think she's actually gotten better with age
1: yeah i mean most most kind of do when they if they really want to work and stretch themselves so but you know she's dream warriors uh, um nightmare on elm street <laughs> She <laughs> well that was her first like her first role one of her I mean, first roles you're not wrong i'll kind of go in order here if you've never yeah. noticed if you've never listened to the podcast sailor i kind of go in order when i do these
0: <laughs> i swear to god melvin uh, mario van peebles you didn't mention jaws four not once no sir. of course not, <laughs> not i skipped once.
1: some but then uh lost highway and then you know uh she uh probably biggest part of her career was spent on tv show medium so that's uh some of the things she did so i mean we i'm were going talking
0: over like the holes boyhood escape
1: of danny i can't i can't spend too much we've already spent so much time i can only say so many i can't say all of them
0: little mickey all right go
1: ahead. <laughs> uh but so i need somebody who has that same infectious just you're gonna fall in love with her Within the first night that you meet her, uh, and just and then want to die for her, and then want to spend the rest of your life with her—that type of thing. And so, I didn't really—I I went through a few different to try to match up with my with my um, Clarence. But I was like, you know what? I don't. I, I think when you get just two quality actors that do their thing and they're opposite enough to where they can meet. I, I think that I found that, um, and I, it's, she, she is one of our favorite. And I, I know she's one of Sailor's favorite, and um, that is uh, Margaret Qualley.
0: Okay, I like that choice a lot. Have I tr- have I picked her for something? Because I, I don't like believe
1: it. I don't. Maybe you have. I don't know. I'd have to look
0: because I'm trying to but, figure out why I didn't think of her for this because she's kind of perfect.
1: She really is. I mean, and you know, for, she is somewhat new, so I could see where, but once upon a time in Hollywood, um, she plays pussycat there. She's pretty much spends most of her time, you know, hitting on the Brad Pitt character and all that, but she's just, she's, that's what I want. I mean, I, she's just, she's different. She, you gravitate toward her, you know, just her standing on the, on the corner flipping off the you know sticking out her thumb flipping off the cops that kind of thing you just like you're you're brad pitt in that movie you just, your eyes go straight to her and she's not even paying attention to you you need somebody with that type of and she's really she's really good in the leftovers um she was in the nice guys guys well.
0: Leftovers, so fucking yeah. good
1: yeah so and she's one of those that's just skyrocketing as well she's and uh, she's gonna be a, a really i think She's going to be a great actress, one of our, you know, of of all time. We're going to look back 10, 15, 20 years from now, and she's going to be on a a good level, you know, up up there. And so I definitely want that. And I, you know, I I think she plays this part perfectly. Like I, I could not, I thought of a few different people, but I could not think of anybody that just has that same type of different, but same type of vibe that Patricia brought brought to the Alabama character, so that's my uh, my pick.
0: And Probably. she's low key. Like yes.
1: she she's
0: and I, I mean, we're talking about people that I can't stand in movies. We didn't really talk about her famous mother. Just Google that. <laughs> can't stand her. I think she's already with like five movie performances already yeah. better than her mother, and her mother has been working for like forty years or some shit. And it's like. How do you have
1: such a long career? And she's she's cute as a button. She's not your, you know, your typical great looking, you know, actress. She's got she's a little different looking, kind of like Patricia Arquette is. I mean, she's she's gorgeous, but in a unique or kind of a unique way, that well, type
0: my, of thing. Well, my pick is gorgeous
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, because. I think, I don't know. I don't, it's, I'm wasting her in this movie and I fully admit that. But I don't think I've seen her do this kind of role before. And she should be the lead of a movie whenever we do some movie where a fucking female lead, like she could probably be like a Kill Bill or some shit. Like, well, no, she's a little bit too young (laughs) for that. I'm going Florence Pugue. Oh, yes. I know it's so it's I'm wasting her in this. I know it. She shouldn't be the romantic lead in a movie because she's already proven herself to be the lead of movies. <laughs> she shouldn't be fucking
1: you're gender flopping it. She's the lead. She's oh yes. Yeah, she's,
0: she's the Clarence. <laughs> she's she's self <laughs> but I think if it wasn't for the scene where Patricia Arquette kills Virgil, if like Clarence came in and then saved her, I wouldn't have picked Florence it's that scene where yes i can see margaret qualley doing it but it's and it's not because of black widow because i don't ever think about that i will never think about that movie when i think about any actor that's in that movie because it's just doesn't exist in my mind but yeah she just did an action movie but i just think every movie she's done before that has proven she's a strong capable uh actress independent
1: woman (laughs) (laughs) you were going there (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> she don't need no man. I don't but, need no man. But she's shown vulnerability and like shit, like midsummer and shit. She's just one of the best actresses. Yep. And yeah, she's she is. She's. I know. I'm fully wasting her in something like this, but I do think this is a fucking great movie and a great role. It's just not the lead because I would say, yeah, she's the second person we're second to the last person we're casting because she's the second most important but you all were listening to this for a fucking drexel you were all listening to this that you know there's like five six other characters that are more we spent more time on Brad Pitt than we did on fucking Alabama because but I really honestly think it comes down to the scene with Virgil and I'm like I needed somebody that could do that that I could see still I'm not casting a badass action star which I don't I really hope she doesn't stick with the marvel things I'm, I'm really hoping that's a one-off but i, I don't think it is yeah, but even go
1: back to midsummer's little women no. that type I mean, of stuff.
0: but i think even if she does do that i think like scarlett johansson she's not gonna be like like she did under the skin like the same year as like captain yeah. america whatever the fuck she's like i'm not gonna be defined by this and i don't think she will be and i don't i just needed somebody that would be charming immediately that you would see why Clarence my Clarence especially would fall for to the point where he's like i'm going to go fucking kill myself now like i'm going to go into the pit of hell to go deal with this fucking pimp for you just so i can marry you cuz i'm already in love with you after a day two days like they're they're together for like yeah. nothing and he's like i'm going to risk it all for you so i yep. needed an actress could convey...
1: you do
0: for? Yep. and that's both of ours.
1: Yeah, that's I, both. That's both
0: oh, of I, ours. The, the the sins I would commit for a Margaret Foley is she. <laughs> before I say that, she is of age, right?
1: Because she looks she's like twenty seven.
0: Okay, thank God. She's yeah. older than Florence Pugh. God damn, she yes. looks like she's seventeen. God damn, I know.
1: Yeah, no, she was born in ninety four. Damn, and Florence was ninety six. So yeah.
0: That is yep, wild. yep, <laughs> yep, motherf- yep David. I, I'm, my mind is getting blown all over the place. Chris Penn's twenty eight. David DeSmalton is forty six. What is going on this fucking episode?
1: What is going on? All <laughs> what right. What is going on? <laughs> all right. On to Clarence. We are finally here. Almost three hours <laughs> later. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. We're gonna we break this up into in the, in the two parter.
0: Yeah, you uh, know, like the last four picks, you gotta pay Patreon. <laughs> So thank you for your patronage. You're (laughs) going to hear the last two hours of this podcast.
1: All right. All right. So played by uh, Christian Slater, we've covered him quite a bit. Uh, I know you mentioned, this is probably my favorite role of his too. One of my second ones. I I really like. Uh, pump up the volume. Pump up,
0: yeah. Yeah. When he talks about cock rings and shit. Yeah, all that. He's
1: just he's great. And it's 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 similar. That's the roles he should have stayed in. These type of roles where it's, he's he's got to be show his his because he's got such great charisma and personality, but it's also kind of have that nerd to it. You know, at the end of the
0: as being like the second one, because we've done him for Hard rain.
1: That was Patreon. I'm talking about like actual. <laughs>
0: those, those don't yeah. exist. They're not real.
1: Yeah. Again, patreon.com backslash cult of trash. There's probably more
0: episodes on Patreon than there are actual. So you're getting your money's worth, people. Yeah, you know
1: definitely. Definitely. And we've got plenty coming down the pipe. We got plenty coming down the pipe
0: i'm more excited about those than i am the real man and I fucking, <laughs> we've spent three plus hours on this just that's yeah. the same.
1: let's just say all right so mine i wanted somebody that feels like that same type of lovable loser can be comfortable being the nerd being the comic book nerd or the feel like he's um what would you say expert on all things nerdom like that type of guy that's that are have those weird type of like i know everybody loves elvis and all that but a guy in his nine in the 90s who's in his 20s loving elvis presley that's kind of different you know at that time it was still mainly a lot of like 50 year old women that were loving them in the 90s that type of thing or older men like you didn't like I didn't care I I've never loved, cared for Elvis Presley period. But in my twenties or whatnot in the nineties, like I could have cared less about him. So it's something like that. Whereas this guy, you know, maybe he's whatever. You know, it's Al Green or somebody like that that he's he's talking about. But I went with Donald Glover. I assuming,
0: I, I thought. Oh, I mean, I've already. Cast him in something coming up. I don't think the episode has dropped yet. He's a perfect fucking Clarence. He is such a fucking nerd. Yeah, and it's funny that you're picking the because I've been excited this whole fucking time, giddy your shit because I knew who the fuck you were picking. You picking yeah. Lando. I'm picking Han Solo. I'm going Alden Iron Rock or whatever the fuck. I don't know how to pronounce his name to be <laughs> honest with you. Alden Ironreich, I believe is how you pronounce his name. So it's funny I no that we we got there at the same fucking.
1: <laughs> we got there somehow.
0: You got you got Lando, and I got Han Solo.
1: I just, I mean, Donald Glover is that he's that character. He's, I mean, it's a lot kind of his character on Atlanta, mm-hmm. mixed with uh, his Troy on com- Community, kind like of that, literally kind any of combined.
0: character he's ever played. Like you know, I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean,
1: it's just, and he's he can be that lovable loser, but he's that guy who's comfortable being the lovable loser nerd. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. Like he, if he does it, even if he never meets Alabama that night, he's fine. Like the next morning, like he's on his birthday at a sunny Chiba marathon Mm -hmm. by himself and he's could not be happier. You know, like there's not a lot of people that can do that, but then pull that off all that type of stuff. Donald Glover uh, is, is, is that in spades? I think, and Mario Van Peebles is, his, I mean, his, his dad. Like, I mean, like I could, I could see them interacting oh. really well. In those oh yeah,
0: and I, I, I would, them. I would love to see Melvin, um, Melvin. I think Melvin Van Peebles is still alive, but Mario Van Peebles, I would love to see him have a comeback. I, the thing is, though, I think Donald Glover is cool. I don't think Alden Ehrenreich is cool. And I think that's why he was cast as Han Solo, because Ron Howard would never have cast him as Han Solo. Lord and Miller would, because they're very good at flipping the conventions of shit. I don't think, I I think it it got lost in translation, whatever they were trying to do in that Solo movie, which I think is fine. But I think Lando is perfectly cast because I think Donald Glover is actually fucking cool. He's yeah. effortlessly cool. Right. Alden is not cool. I can see him obsessed with Elvis. Like, it's. I think he was cast because of Hail Caesar. And I think his character in Hail Caesar is kind of him in a nutshell. And he's only in that movie for like 10 minutes. And he's in a scene opposite Ray Fiennes. And he kind of steals the movie from everyone. And that movie is filled with actors. Because he's just trying to deliver like... Uh, never twas or whatever the fuck the line is i can never remember what the fucking line is but it's so fucking stupid <laughs> and Rick finds is like what why are you why are you sing twas? What, what what are you doing and he's trying his hardest and that's kind of clarence to me is him trying to the best of his abilities to not be who he is but failing miserably and that's what makes him cool clarence is cool in spite of himself he is never cool but the fact that he keeps trying is cool. And I do think Donald Glover has that. But Donald Glover doesn't have to try. He's just fucking cool. He's just childish Gambino is fucking cool. He, he, yeah. he came up with the most ridiculous fucking rap name and then created arguably one of the best actor turned musician careers ever. And no one ever made it a joke. Ever. Like, it's right. an actual legitimate career, and he's fucking great as a musician. And it was never like, oh, look at him try. I mean, you can say that with, like, Russell Crowe or Kevin Bacon or, like, a million other actors turned musicians where it's like, oh, I mean, they also did this thing. No, Donald Glover can just do everything. And I think, yeah, I think he would be a great Clarence. But I should, there's something about Alden, and I also want... I feel bad for the kid, man, because he's got this fucking noose around his neck that's solo, and he's it's going to be a
1: while before he can shake that damn thing. I don't even he, know if I've seen him in anything else other than solo. Like, I don't think is, I've seen any of his other movies.
0: I just Google his scene from *Hail Caesar* because you don't really need to see the whole fucking
1: movie. Yeah, that's why I fear I never watched it. I just I knew that was, I wasn't going to ever like that movie.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a lesser than, but I like. I mean, I remember him in Beautiful Creatures. I don't tell me why. Don't ask me why I saw that goddamn thing. I don't know. I, I was mm-hmm. probably married at the time, um, and I've seen Yellowbirds, and I thought I thought he was fine in that. But I think that he has, and I thought he was great in Blue Jasmine. So it's it's not like a huge body of work to pull from, but I do think he's good in Solo. And I, but it's that fucking Star Wars fandom. Yeah. that will never let you live down anything that they don't love and because they're, they're the worst they still fucking shit on ryan johnson and i'm like it, why are you guys acting like he fucking killed your child star wars was garbage before his at his movie he didn't ruin anything you can't tell me it's worse than the Christmas special get the fuck off his dick and i feel like they're doing the same thing with alden and it's like it's he's, he's far and away not the worst thing about that damn movie it was a mess from fucking jump street but i think lord and miller once they took them off the movie that they just whatever the fuck movie it was going to be wasn't going to be good because
1: i don't remember one thing about that movie
0: i remember donald outside glover. of
1: donald glover being i bet mean, i don't even then but i was never a big Lando. like oh. i'm not a big star wars fan and all that to begin with but i don't remember i cannot tell you anything about other than i know um denarius was in there but she's awful i'm sorry no she's, she's not good no she's not good outside of even that role and after a certain point she wasn't great in that role so yeah there's you know I, you know wordy harrelson but i don't remember him in it i just he's got know. a funny wig <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah that's probably the most memorable thing so
0: the worst thing about it is that it's doesn't need to exist if you were going to yeah. make a movie it should have been about lando and han solo should have been like a supporting character because lando is not a character you can make a movie about lando han solo there's really nothing you need to explore about him like we got but, everything- uh, you
1: you know they it's like you made this movie just to make whatever that I don't even know what the the run that he does. Yeah, the castle run. Whatever that, yeah, that dumb thing. That that's the that's why like people are like, Well, you got to make a movie just about that." But then, well, okay. We got to fit that in there well, we got to make a story around it. So that's pretty much all it is. It's like it started off with, "Okay, well, we've got to make a movie about this. Now we've got to or we have this, let's put a movie around it." Yeah. And it's stupid.
0: It's not it's not great, but it's I,
1: bad. It's one of those things that should never have been on on scene. It was one of those unsaid things or unseen things in movies that should never have it should have just been left the way it was. Yeah, also, once you show it, it's not gonna be as good as no, what it belted up after 30 years.
0: Well, yeah, because it's yeah, it's not a thing that anyone fucking it's you don't need to explain it. But I yeah. think Lord and Miller could have done something with it. I think they've proven time and time again they can turn the dumbest fucking concept into gold. They are ma- king minus magicians when it comes to that shit. Ron Howard is not. And I like Ron Howard. I think he's a competent director, but he doesn't have the touch. He, he's going to make whatever the fuck movie they want him to make, and that's fine, but i mean there's a reason why he was cast and they were fired because he was going to do something radically different and he could have done he could have made alden great and solo as it stands ron howard didn't know why he was cast and he's like oh just do just do harrison ford i guess i don't i don't fucking know like it's i feel bad for him and i want to see him out of that fucking rut so i think he needs true romance to show that the world, kind of like Michael Cera, needed like this is the end or something. Just be like, hey, I can actually act. I'm, I'm an actual talent. I'm really fucking good. He needs a he needs a break. Even though he, yeah. Solo should have been the break, but it's torpedoed his career dead, unfortunately. Kind of like John Carter with Taylor Kitsch. So, yeah, I mean, that's yep. my, that's my yep.
1: clearance. Here it is. All right. You ready to do our rundown? Is this going to take another two hours?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Right. Do you want me to go first, or do you want go me? right ahead? My director is Corey Finley. My Nikki Dimes and Co- Cody Nicholson are Little Ray Howry and Chad Coleman. My Virgil is Ryan Hurst. My Elliot is Michael Sarah. Lee Donowitz is Dennis Leary. Clifford is Brian Cranston. Vincenzo Cacati, Gary Oldman, Dick Ritchie, David Desmalchin. Drexel, Robert Pattinson, Alabama, Florence Pugue, and Clarence is Alden Ironreich.
1: My director is Shane Black, Nikki Dimes, Taylor Kitsch, Cody Nicholson, Michael Pena, Virgil, Bobby Calavali, Elliot, Freddie Highmore, Lee Donowitz, Jonah Hill, Dick Ritchie, Jay Birchall, Clifford, Mario Van Peoples, Vincenzo Concati, Ray Liotta, Drexel Spivey, Shia LaBeouf, Alabama, Margaret Qualley, and Clarence Donald Glover.
0: That's our list. If you agree or disagree, hit us up at Screen Age Wasteland or you can vote on whose picks Are Better over at Total Recast Podcast on Instagram. If you want to hear even more episodes and there's many of them, throw us some coin over at Patreon. That's our episode. I'm Sailor, he's Kane, and this has been Total Recast. We remake movies so Hollywood won't.